Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Nasty on a Tuesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew March. I just realized, like, the BK and Ferrario are just staring at me. Yeah. It's weird. How's your headphones, Anthony? It's good now. Is it? Yeah, they're fine. All right. I, BK was struggling with it earlier. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're good. They're all laughing at you. I, I can hear. Why. I can hear now. It's all it's all fine. You, see, here's Mine's the perfect. thing. Oh, man, they were not looking for that reaction at all. Yeah, they still think he's full of you-know-what right now. <laughs> you have to... You have to you have to jiggle the knob, Jamie, until yeah, it's I mean, until it's in there properly. It. To each their own. I mean, if that's the way it works for you, Anthony, then that's great. I'm glad your headphones. Work. You have to insert and then kind of wiggle around for a while until you find the right spot, Jamie, and then you're good. Yeah. Typically. Or you break it off in there, which has happened. Yeah. It's not that's, fun. That's not ideal. No. No. You get angry. Nobody likes it that. Sad. Mad. And nobody else can use a headphone jack. Very true. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sad, angry, and frustrated, Cardinals played last night. They played, <laughs> played the Reds. And it didn't go well, guys. Jordan Montgomery, not great. The offense was good again. But what's your concern level with Jordan Montgomery? Oh, it's up there. He's supposed to be your ace. What? You don't have an ace. I know. But he's supposed to be your guy. He was a guy that at following the first stint last year when he came to the Cardinals, everybody's like, wow, this guy's way better than we thought. And he did well. It was a bit of a bumpy end of the season, but this year he's supposed to be your guy to get out there and shove. And unfortunately, it's been just like all the other pitchers. It's all over the place. You just It's like a box of chocolates, Anthony, with this rotation. Mm-hmm. You just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, except for a lot of the times you're getting like the coconut ones, which are fine. I don't mind the coconut they're f- ones. They're fine. I but- don't like the hard caramel ones. Like, I feel like I want to bite. Well, I want to bite into the chocolate and not lose a giblet, mm. you know? That's understandable. Yeah. You're basically right now getting all of those. Like, it's chocolate. You're getting all of the worst. Right. It's caramel, but yeah, yeah. You want that variety? Yeah. Do you like the ones with like the pink filling to it and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Those are my favorite, actually. Excellent. Yeah. Marsh, your thoughts on the candy anything. or the Jordan Montgomery situation? Any, listen, anything we've talked, anything we've discussed over the last two two minutes and forty five seconds. Gotcha. We've covered a lot of ground in that time, Marsh. Well, uh, Jordan Montgomery, he hasn't won a game since uh, April 8th. And I was told yesterday that wins and losses do not mean anything, apparently. Uh, I just felt like yesterday I was smeared. Were you? You, yeah. you think it was a smear campaign against Andrew yeah. Marsh? and then all of a sudden, what? yesterday happened. This took a turn. What the hell is going I on? I wasn't expecting this. I was made this. fun of. I was called old. By who? Texters. Listeners. Girls. Us. For my Jordan Montgomery take. I mean, he just he hasn't been the same. Okay, but do you feel as though that wins and losses 
Oh, that's right. The, uh, the wins guy. Yeah. Yeah. He yesterday. hasn't won a game since April 8th, Anthony. The it's wins guy. It's been over guy. a month. Okay. All right. Do let's you... look at his ERA. Let's look at his ERA then. Four, five, five. Well, why are you jumping to ERA and still feeling and still feeling the litter? <laughs> it might be. You got to take a look. Yesterday, you said, well, you know, Jordan Montgomery hasn't been getting the offensive help. Yesterday, no. Paul oh, DeYoung oh, put time. the team on his back. Time we'll, out, we'll Marsh. Get, we'll get to him. You brought up you brought up wins and losses for pitchers. It's not a good metric, and you know it. It's not it's not a good way to evaluate how good a pitcher has been. In either direction, he could be six and two. It still it still isn't a good metric on how he specifically is pitching. And that's as far as it went. Wow. You just got Papa Staltered. Now go to your room without dessert. Marsh, I want the, I want this show to be special. I this, do. This was a design by me to get you going. <laughs> right out of the gates. Yeah, your, your your let's get nasty was a little lackluster. Well, because I looked over and I and, and I was I felt like I was in a zoo. Yeah, BK and Ferrario and T Bone yeah. and Mike Ryder staring at yeah. me. I I like looked up right as the let's came out and I was I was thrown off. They're like banging on the glass. I agree. It wasn't my best. Was open. Yeah. Look at Seriously. that one over there. That one with all the chest hair yeah. is mine. <laughs> I want to take him home. No, do you want a different one? I could I could do it again. I wouldn't mind. No, 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 no. no. It's fine. All right. Okay. No, you've totally all screwed right. it up at this point. Fair enough. <laughs> Bottom well, line, Jordan Montgomery to Marsh. Okay. We what we can agree on. He wasn't isn't good. Jo- no, he wasn't good and, yesterday. Yeah, I, in my opinion, he hasn't been good really all season. He's got a four. No, he's five, just been the best of the worst. worst. Just because you're the best of the worst doesn't mean you're good. Yeah, this is this is a wagon, and three of the wheels are they're basically not moving. Yeah, and then the one wheel is moving. <laughs> it sounds awful, but it's still moving. You're like, well, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to fix that wheel. No, it's still it's still not good. When one when one wheel works, I believe you just go in like a circle. Pretty much. That's pretty much what this team's one, going in right it's now. It's a one-legged duck yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a good offense. Yeah, yeah. swimming in circles all day oh, long. Exactly. Gotcha. This is a this is a good offense. Potentially great. This is potentially a great offense. We'll see if they can be consistent. This starting pitching isn't good. Put up five runs. That should win you a ball. Absolutely. Game. Come this, on. This offense is more than good enough. This is not a good overall team. This is not going to be a great team. If this pitching is is what is stays exactly what it is. So I'm not this even going to say. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a good team. It's not a good pitching staff. It's not okay because the offense at five runs is there. We're saying the same thing then. Yeah, I but I don't like a- the way you worded it. I think the players who put up five runs should get some credit. I you said don't. this is a potentially great offense. It's not a good pitching staff. Oh, you didn't say this is not a good team. Is the words you used? You're right. It isn't. It's not a good team. Well, it's isolated to one department. Do you think this is a good team if you're pitching? If is, I'll throw it out. I'll throw it out Go to ahead. the listeners. Oh, okay. I'll throw it out to the list. That listeners. usually works well for you. Can you can you be can you be a great team, a great baseball team without good starting pitching? I don't no, think so. No, when you word it that way, Anthony. How would you like to word it, Jamie? This pitching staff is no good. You have a good team, except your pitching staff is holding you back. Then you don't have a good team. Ultimately, I know. <laughs> so if I go to a grocery I just didn't store, want my guys disrespected. <laughs> I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, except for maybe the pitching staff. If I go to a a grocery store in the meat department, you know, I want to get some sandwiches. I want to get some, you know, some good meat. Don't forget the bread. 
Gotta get the bread. Well, he's in the meat department. department. I'm in the meat department. Yeah, not, not the. But you're talking yeah. about sandwiches. Yeah, but I'm, I'm getting the meat for the sandwiches. If okay. the meat department isn't open, or it, you know, it's not good. You know, it, is it worth going to the grocery store? You know. Hmm. No, it's not. Exactly. No, you cross you cross that grocery store right off for sure, and you go to a different one. Absolutely. So, so what are you saying? It's not a good team. I, I don't know what he's saying anymore. It's not a good team. I don't know. I was just I trying to use hungry. a grocery store reference so you would understand it a little bit more. I use a lot of grocery store yeah. references. A lot of a lot of house for comparisons. Sure. A lot of grocery store comparisons. Maybe a hardware store would have been a better one to use. Yeah, uh, I think Maybe. I think the grocery store okay, example was fine, Marsh. I think right, it was great. I think it was solid. I mean, it was fine. Boy, you're you're just. It was fine. You got stank today, I and thought, I understand it because your Cardinals lost. I thought what he was trying to do is take the grocery store reference, mm-hmm. compare it to the pitching staff. Yeah. So that his his story was equal to what the pitching staff is doing right now. I so, think that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them, not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. Uh, I do think Montgomery will will turn it around though. I do have faith in him. How much do you have faith? Okay, so that's a, that's a, I'm glad you stated it that yeah. way because I I think Jordan Montgomery, He's a solid pitcher, when it's all said and done, is going is going to be fine. The numbers the numbers will be good, not great, not terrible, but good. Who else Who else can you say that about in the starting rotation? Miles, Miles Michaelis, Jinx, good, not great. Flaherty, no idea. Oof. Ultimate wild card. Adam Wainwright. You got to put him in the we, we'll see mode. We'll find out. We'll see category. And then Steven Matz, do you have faith in him right now? No. No. So we have two guys that we say, ah, you know what? They should be good by the end of the year. And then the rest of the rotation, which is three-fifths of the starting rotation, we're either in the total wild card, we'll see, or no, I have no faith. Pretty much, Anthony. You nailed it. <laughs> this is it's really good work. Well... This is where we're at then. It is. If you don't score six plus runs a game, this is where we were at before you the season issues. started, to be honest. Well, it sucks. <laughs> it does. Doesn't feel good. And this team's been winning lately. This team has been good. The offense has been good. Sporadically, you'll get some decent starting pitching. We got a text from the 636. First, he attacks Marshy, and then he says the Cardinals suck. I don't like Stalter's attitude today. I didn't say the Cardinals suck. I just said it's not a good team. How can you have a good team if you don't have good starting pitching? It's not a good team. It's a good offense. Maybe maybe it's just semantics at this point, boys. But I don't feel like I'm wrong on this one. You never do. Anthony, I'll back you up. I I, I don't think you're wrong. Thanks, Marsh. Can you have a good can you have a really good football team if you don't have a starting quarterback? Can you have a great football team without a good starting quarterback? I don't know. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. That was a historic defense. Joe and you Flacco. Know it. That was won. a historic defense, and you know it. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. What if this Cardinals team has an, a, a, a historic Nick offense? Nick won a damn Super Bowl. He got hot for two games. Hey, Anthony. I was told that all you have to do is get in the playoffs. That's it. That's always the strategy. That's the Cardinals Marcy. mantra right there. All that right. Is it. It's T-shirt's the fast lane now available on 101 ESPN 213. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That was either the greatest opening segment ever, or the clunker, basically the, the the most clunky. But either way, uh, we had some fun. How does Paul DeYoung's emergence emergence change things for the roster, the lineup? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing, fly ball. That 
Edwards not coming back. DeYoung ambushed him. It's 3-2 Cardinals. <laughs> the king has returned. Let's get nasty on a Tuesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. That was better. We got some text messages in that <laughs> I take personal uh, responsibility for. I felt bad. Once One guy said, I didn't even hear Let's Get Nasty. He was so flaccid. I agree. So hopefully we got it up for you that time. Know what I mean, Jamie? You got it up, Anthony, for Thank sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. I made sure the volume was high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, these headphones do sound weird. Yeah, it sounds like I'm talking to you through, like, a tunnel. Yeah. Anthony. Hopefully it sounds fine in your cars. That's all we care about. All right. Paul DeYoung. What if they're not in their cars? What if they're at home? At your desk, uh, I think around pretty, your house, I feel like on your cell phone, whatever. Presumptuous of you. Sorry. Good call. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. Do we clean that up, Jamie? Uh, ish. Okay. Guys, I was ready to take the king yesterday in the home run derby. I even announced it as such. And then I said, but Nolan Arenado hits ahead of him, and Nolan Arenado is going to park one. So I'll take him in the home run derby. Boy, I wish I stuck with Paul T. Young. I took the king. For a hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Look at you. Last time I checked, a home run's a hit. Yes. Good call. He got another one, too, just for good measure. So he went two for five with another ding-dong Johnson. And over the last two games now, he's got a couple of home runs, Jamie. This guy's hitting almost 300, which is un-Paul DeYoung-like, but... (laughs) He has just been remarkable. Like I said, he's two home runs, eight RBI in his last two games. He has He's up to eight home runs and 93 plate appearances on the season. What does this do for the roster now, in your opinion? Uh, well, in my, my own personal opinion, I feel it makes a lot of players expendable. It does. Like it, it, pick, your, pick your middle infielder that you'd like to move for some pitching help. That's, that's where I'm Whoever at. Whoever brings it. back the most value. That's right. And if it's Paul DeYoung, then so be it. Like right now, I don't know if Paul DeYoung's market has been higher except for coming off the All-Star game way back when. There's teams right now that would be happy to bring on a Paul DeYoung. Now, they might pump the brakes a little bit saying, hey, I want to make sure this is true, that what we're seeing here. But if Paul DeYoung keeps pace relative to what he's doing right now, doesn't have to be the same. But if he just stays close to that come trade deadline, you better believe there's value out there for this. He's got an expiring contract with two years of team options. Mm -hmm. So if a team falls in love with him, uh, they can certainly extend him or do whatever. If they don't, it's a one-year contract, like you always see. It's less than that. It's a deadline deal on contract, which you can stomach. Right. Otherwise, maybe Tommy Edmond is a guy that teams covet out there. Maybe they want the switch-hitting middle infielder. If that's the case, then maybe Tommy Edmond's your key to bringing back something of value. Brendan Donovan. I'm not saying we move on from Donnie, but you also have Nolan Gorman. That's a whole other animal right now. I wouldn't be looking to deal Nolan Gorman unless it was for Shohei Otani. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> quite honestly. But you've got those three guys, DeYoung, Donovan, and Edmund now, that you're like, okay, we're accepting all bids. And whoever gets the highest return, that guy goes. You keep the other two. Yeah, it's, it, you're right. It, it does up the value now for the – it puts the Cardinals in a good position depending on what, what teams have. And the, the the bad part is is that most teams want to add starting pitching. If you do get into a situation where maybe you could deal one of these guys to get starting pitching something of need, you're likely dealing with a contender, though. And that that's where things are get, get a little tricky. Like last year with the Yankees, 
that deal made a lot of sense to send Harrison Bader. They wanted a center fielder. Harrison Bader goes to the Yankees. The Yankees viewed Jordan Montgomery expend, expendable because they felt as though that they were also going to get either Pablo Lopez or Carlos Rodon in a deal after the Frankie Montas deal. So it made sense for them to give up some pitching, even though they were a contender. Usually contenders aren't giving up big league ready big league ready pitching. So why does it have to be a contender? Because if if I'm a team that is rebuilding, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm giving up young pitching, young cost control pitching well, just you, to get an infield. Who said that's what the Cardinals want? How about just any pitching at this point? But I'm not giving up a middle infielder for a another four, let's say. I don't disagree. But let's say you can get a two out there somewhere. If I could get a legit top-end starter, maybe not an ace, but a top-end starter, now we're talking. The reason I bring that up is because I think you're absolutely correct. A contender would be looking to trade for a Paul DeYoung. Correct. Now, a team that's rebuilding might look at the youth and say, got some team control on Brendan Donovan. I don't know how much team control you have left on Tommy Edmond, but that's where, for me, you can get into the category of getting a good starter from a team that's either rebuilding or looking looking to make the next step in right. whatever they're doing. Yeah. Whereas Paul DeYoung, I feel like that's strictly a contender. Yeah, I think you and I are, are looking at it the same way. Paul DeYoung is not going to help most teams. A rebuilding team doesn't doesn't want a 29-year-old Paul DeYoung. If, a, if it if it's the and and the Yankees have the Boston their, Red Sox without what's his name there, Trevor Story. Without Trevor Story, they could be looking for a guy. Who knows? Right. Unfortunately, they don't have any starting pitching. But unfortunately, they're not yeah, that Sale, great. Chris Sale. They do have Chris Sale. James Paxton dominated you for five innings. Yeah, he did. But other than that, their pitching has not been great. So if you're thinking that way, if you're thinking maybe you can deal whether it's Paul DeYoung or one of these other middle infielders, I think Jamie and I are with you. But who's going to make sense and who's going to give up, give you the starting pitching that makes sense for you? Adding a fourth starter, and I'm talking about like a number four or number three with an expiring contract, doesn't do you a whole lot, in my opinion. And does it, does it make your team better in the sense if you're giving up, let's say, uh, a Brendan Donovan? Man, he, he has a lot of value to your lineup, though. He's getting on base. Am I willing to give that up for, like you said, a middle of the the middle tier starting pitcher? No, like I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just ride it out because I, I I like Brendan Donovan a lot, and Tommy Edmond for me that might be the guy that they might need to look to move if they're going to do that just because of Mason Wynn who's coming up through the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul DeYoung though, uh, I think no matter what, this is probably his final go as a cardinal though whether he gets traded or they just let it ride out just because of you know i i, I love what paul de young is doing right now i absolutely love it but he has shown in the past that he has been inconsistent with with this play we saw we saw this last season too we saw him come up for about two weeks or so and just dominate he had home runs against the nationals he had a huge hit against the yankees we were like oh my gosh paul de young's back and then he wasn't so, Jamie, you, you you were talking with me yesterday. You think that he is back, though. I do. You, you see something different. I just, the way he's carrying himself. And then John Denton <clears throat> had a piece on, on Twitter t- today just talking about how Paul DeYoung has come back this year and realized, you know, kind of how things have been the last couple of seasons and looked at it as an opportunity to, 
well, it's my last chance at this. Let's go out and have some fun with it. I'm paraphrasing a lot of what was in that article, but you can go check it out uh, on Twitter. And it is, it's a great article on Paul DeYoung, just how he is not in his head, how he's not trying to go over the last two seasons and figure out what went wrong and change this and change that. Is much more relaxed approach. And you can tell. You can tell from one at-bat to another, no matter what the outcome of the first at-bat, it looks like the same guy. If he's caught looking for strike three, the next at-bat, it doesn't look like he's got happy feet in yeah, the box. Yeah, that's a good call. He's, he's still very balanced. in there, relaxed. Uh, he shortened up his swing. Uh, he's able to react quicker on certain pitches. He's not fully committed to bad pitches anymore. So I think this is, I think what we're seeing is more of a true version of Paul DeYoung uh, now than what, obviously how bad he played the last couple of years. Yeah, his head is still. You're not you're not seeing him dive for pitches. No, I think Jamie. I think I think that's a really good point that you made. Hopefully, he continues. I don't think he's going to hit anywhere close to 300 through, throughout well, no, the course like of the I year. Said, but be he doesn't have here. to be. Yeah, he doesn't have. Can Paul DeYoung? Just give you supply power at the bottom of the order. Can he supply power at, at the seventh spot? And you may say, well, why don't you move him up? You could. But I also I also wonder, we talked about this yesterday, I wonder how much not hitting in the middle of the order, or even fifth is, which I guess technically would be in the middle of the order, even fifth is not, you're taking yeah. some of that pressure off. Hey, just go out there, hit seventh, Hit run run into some. Don't strike out every other at bat, and let's go. And that's that's what he has given you, and, and more. And you've got consistent power right now at the top of your order. Yeah, you do. You got power throughout. Like you got Gorman, you got Goldie, you got Arenado, you got Contreras. Like you've got enough guys there, so you don't have to you don't have to mess with DeYoung. Mm-hmm. Just let him stay at the six seven. We're good right there. And in fact, what it does, it, it gives the bottom of your it lengthens the lineup for you. No matter what he does, I mean, no matter what the other guys do at the top, you got Paul DeYoung swinging it down there in the six or seven hole, and that just lengthens the lineup for you. It makes it difficult on pitchers. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. The Cardinals back at it again tonight as they take on the Cincinnati Reds. Same time. So I imagine that we're going to get, guys, a, an early lineup. Yesterday, I think we let off the show with it, didn't we? So that 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 lineup was out real early. But 540 tonight, Adam Wainwright versus Graham Ashcraft. That's supposed to be the pitching matchup for tonight at Great American Small Park. Have the conference finals been a disappointment? Well, what? Yeah, I would I would say so, unless you're a Florida Panthers fan, Miami Heat fan. Basically, if you live in Florida, you're feeling pretty good about things. Yeah, That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So the conference finals have not been great at either in either sport. Last Depends night we who saw. You ask, Anthony. Yeah, that's true. Last night we saw LeBron and company eliminated by the Denver Nuggets, a Denver Nuggets team that is just on a roll. I mean, I I hate the fact that they're owned by Stan Kroenke or his son or whatever. However, however they do that for tax purposes, whatever he's affiliated. What? Because. Jokic is is a, a tremendous player. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. has ties uh, within the area, going to Mizzou. So I, I I really like Denver, but that that series was a sweep tonight. Miami will take on Boston in Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals, and Miami's also going for a sweep in the NHL. We've already seen Matthew Kachuk and company, and we're, we're rooting for the Panthers. But that one is now at, what, 3-0. And Vegas is up 2-0 uh, against the Stars in the Western Conference Finals. So these conference finals have not, been, have not been competitive. The overall product, though, in both leagues have, has, in my opinion, been outstanding. It's just we've reached, we've reached a couple of matchups here where things, things have been one-sided. So define competitive. Because when I'm watching the Panthers and the Hurricanes, seven periods of hockey in game one tells me that's competitive. Great call. The Overtime in game two tells so me it's competitive. Last night, a one nothing final tells me it's competitive. May the results haven't been competitive, meaning that they're up three games to nothing. Um, but that series itself has been very entertaining. I mean, last night I thought there was going to be a war out there. The first couple of shifts of the game, there was, you know, wrestling matches all over the, the ice and, and hitting and like getting in each other's face. And so I like the intensity of that series. Um, I'm very happy with the outcome right now of every game so far in that series. Uh, Matthew Kachuk again, an assist, the primary assist on the game winning goal, the only goal of the game mm-hmm. last night. So he continues to do damage. Sergey Bobrovsky's earning every penny of that $12 million. Man, He's been incredible. Um, so that series there, it's still it's still been fun to watch. Vegas, Dallas, we'll see. We'll see. It changes venues, goes to Dallas. Dallas has a, a rowdy barn. Uh, they got passionate fans. They play very well on home ice. So we'll see how that rolls for that series tonight. As far as the NBA is concerned, yeah, that's been uh, that's been tough too. I think the Lakers were just outmatched overall. The Denver Nuggets, a much deeper, more talented team, certainly playing better as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Lakers got some good players, but again, I feel like some of the Lakers players are individualistic, and whereas the Nuggets feel more like a complete team, um, and I think that was the difference overall. And and to showing up at the right time, some of the Lakers guys. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, not a fantastic series for him. I know he's coming off the concussion that he had prior to it, but uh, nonetheless, the Nuggets showing up when the lights are the brightest. And as far as the Miami Heat, I mean, that team's just, I mean, they're running a bus over the Celtics right now. Celtics hanging on for dear life. We'll see if Jason Tatum can pull a rabbit out of the hat here tonight for the Celtics. But I do think that it lines up to be, if the Heat play the Nuggets, maybe not the fanciest, sexiest matchup. I think that's going to be a hell of a matchup. Yeah, great point, too, about Florida and Carolina, because every game has been a nail-biter. It's just been... It could be 3 nothing. 
The other way, absolutely. The other way. And, yeah. and we would be saying Pan- the Panthers are still in this series based on how they're playing. So and that, same that thing is a great with the point. Stars, too. Yeah, uh, that, two overtime games in that series. Absolutely. So, no, Jamie, you're right. And that, that, that point is well made. And it's not like Lakers and Nuggets have been an absolute it's not like it was a blowout in every single game last night was a two was a two-point loss for the lakers game three one great game two they were in it and up and lost by five the the lakers lose by you know six seven in the first game and that that one that one was competitive high scoring competitive so to your overall point jamie the, the games individual games has, have been good even though the series so far have not have not been uh excellent but the other facet here, I think, you, you bring up like Jason Tatum in Boston. At some point, the Celtics have to make an adjustment. They're allowing Jimmy Butler, to, and he's a great player, but they're allowing him to do whatever he he wants. And they've been all right. They, they've been stubborn with we'll take him one on one. We'll take him one on one. At some point, you have to make that adjustment to say anybody else can beat us. Bam out of bio, go for it. You could beat us. Anybody else on that Miami Heat squad, go for But Jimmy Butler will not beat us tonight. And I think you have a, a, an inexperienced head coach with Boston, and that that is that has shown up now. Great team with Tatum and Brown, Horford. They've got excellent depth. They can do it all. Boston can. But if they don't make an adjustment, they're going to be the next team bouncer. We're going to see this NBA Finals start sooner rather than later. But the overall... The, the the series not great, but the, the individual game's excellent. Yeah, and I do feel that no matter what the outcomes are here, ultimately, I I think that the Heat will advance. I mean, three zero is a is a massive obstacle for the Celtics. Obviously, anything is possible. Um, but I feel if the Heat advances, I already talked about how I think that 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 final from a competitive standpoint is compelling. And in the NHL, if the Panthers end up in the final against the Vegas Golden Knights. I feel like that is compelling as well. So, although not the traditional matchups that you'd see in either league as far as powerhouse teams meeting in the final, mm-hmm. still it's going to make for exciting basketball and it's going to make for exciting hockey. And you could potentially have the same type of matchup in both leagues. You have a one seed going up against a lower seed, the eighth seed. Yep. So yeah. you have the Wild Panthers. The Panthers uh, remind me a lot of the L.A. Kings of 2012. And the the Heat, they've just been playing really great basketball, uh, and Jimmy Butler has just been spectacular. So. State of Florida's got uh, something going on there they right do. now. How about all? How about the Final Four teams in hockey too? You think about where they're located: Carolina, Sunrise, Florida, Dallas, Texas, and Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are four. You're talking about four. Southern teams or you know southeastern teams or well, non-traditional non-traditional two teams that were moved North Stars moved to Dallas from Minnesota mm-hmm. Hurricanes moved there from Hartford so you've relocated two northern teams which is wild and you put them down south ish and then Florida's an expansion team and Vegas, Vegas is an expansion oh yeah that's team. right Florida too yeah you're right so you know poke fun at Gary Bettman all you want because there's a lot there to poke fun at from time to time. His vision of growing the sport of hockey in non-traditional markets, that's kind of come to fruition. That's Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Stars, Golden Knights, Game 3, pregame starting at 6.30 tonight. We also have the uh, basketball games, depending on we, depending on how the schedule lines up for the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Final, we will have 
I either either game or we will cover all of the action, carry all the action. We're gonna do everything we can, Anthony. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. That's uh, well said. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, yesterday we talked about the passing of Rick Hummel and, of course, Ali Marmel, who usually wears a pullover during his uh, time on uh, or on the bench. Uh, he wore his actual game day jersey because one of the things that Rick Hummel uh, would always say to Ali is that he thought managers should wear their full uniform and in order to uh, and, uh, and to you know pay respect to. Rick Hummel, Ollie ended up wearing the full yeah, get-up yesterday. I that thought was that great. was pretty cool. Yeah, that was the, one of the inside jokes that Ollie and the commissioner Rick Hummel had, according to Derek Gould, who, again, penned just a, an incredible piece at SDLToday.com following the passing of Rick Hummel this, this past weekend. I, I just, it's, it goes to show you again, and Jamie, you and I talked about this yesterday, it goes to show you the relationships that Rick Hummel developed and maintained and how well-respected he was, not only Ali Marmel, but Mike Matheny and Mike Schilt and Tony LaRusso before him and Whitey Herzog. He had that knack for building relationships, not just from a personal standpoint or, or professional standpoint, but because people, people loved the commish. So for Ali to do that last night, I thought showed a lot of respect and a lot of professional, a lot of professionalism, a lot of class from Ali Marmel. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about the relationship side of this yesterday, and when media members who cover the team on a daily basis can develop relationships to where they're respected at the same time as they respect the players and the managers in return. And that what you write is fact-driven and not just, you know, hothead fan opinion from the media member. Players and managers, owners and all, they respect the heck out of you. And so I thought it was just another uh, another indication or reminder, another reminder of how much, you know, the commish was respected by Ali Marmel and the team as Ali breaks out the jersey, which we know he very seldom, if ever, really wears it. Right. So it's the subtle little tip of the cap to the commission. I liked it. Guys, the NFL owners are set to extend Roger Goodell's contract through 2027. Jim Ursay, who is the Indianapolis Colts owner, said in a league's spring meeting today, the owners discussed the commissioner's contract, but they did not finalize anything today. He's going to get he's going to get. A new contract. He's getting paid, man. Let's let's what does keep, he make? I mean, like Batman. I think Gary Batman. I think makes ten million or something like that. Yeah, the, which is absurd. But anyways, what what does Goodell make? He's got to be like twenty five million. Something. It's got to be something stupid. Let's keep in mind what Roger Goodell does. 
He's the mouthpiece for owners. That's it. I'll do it. He's the mouthpiece. I'll do it for half the half the money. He's the shield. <laughs> you know, he saw he talks about protecting the shield. Dude, you are the shield. You're the shield for the owners. And any sort of negative responses, me, you know, any any sort of me- negative media coverage, that's when Roger Goodell. That's what he gets paid for. Everything that happened with, unfortunately, here us us in St. Louis with Cronky ripping the Rams out of out of the city and moving there Goodell took the heat of that too but he's he's a puppet he's there to be the face of the league and to maintain things with the the owners that's it I get it Anthony I get it he's the crash test dummy for the NFL but he's making absurd money to do it Mm -hmm. I would do it for half of what he's making NFL call me same. Jim Ursay, call me. I'll do it. I could, re- I could do just as bad a job as Roger Goodell, and I'll show up at every press conference and wear it, too. And then go to my island that I purchased <laughs> to relax because I've got all this money now. There you go. What does a Jamie Rivers-Jim Ursay conversation look like? Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. Jim Ursay and I'd be just fine. He'd probably start off by asking if you could play quarterback. He might. And, and then, I'd say, then sure. the conversation would kind of move on from there. I think we'd have a grand old time. Yeah. I just feel like it wouldn't go in the direction of sports. I just feel like it oh, would no. just... Probably not. Go into no, but Jamie is multi-talented. There's oh, nothing sure. that Jamie Rivers can't cover. Thank you, Anthony. You got it, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh-huh. And you're right, Marsh. You probably would be a quick five and dive. Five minutes sure. of talk and then yeah. onto something oh, well, more interesting. And usually, like, Jamie, you bring up crazy stuff. I feel like Jim Ursay would be the one to bring up the craziness. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, yeah, yeah. And you just dive right into it. Yeah, pull up a front a, a chair right in the front row. <laughs> you're like, let's go, Jim. Let's dive into this. <laughs> Guys, the guard, uh, Guardian's Will Brennan accidentally killed a bird with a line drive. This is the second bird that has died uh, from a baseball in the past couple of weeks, Zach Gallen also a few weeks ago was throwing a, a baseball and, and, and killed a bird. Yeah, this is uh, so there's been a lot. So there's been a lot of baseball on bird crime in a, in, in the last couple of weeks. Like, and this hasn't happened at least mainstream media since Randy, Randy Johnson. Johnson did it in spring training all yep. those years ago. That bird stood no chance. That thing exploded. That's just. It's awful, man. I guess it's not funny because obviously there's an animal that gets harmed in it. But just the randomness, the odds of these things happening. It's it's, crazy. It is. So he tweeted yesterday. He said, I am or I truly am sorry at PETA and bird enthusiast. An unfortunate sacrifice. Yeah, he wasn't trying to do it. No, he wasn't. I mean, come on. Are there bird I, enthusiasts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Bird watchers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of birds. You gotta birds. watch out for those bird watchers, too. What do you mean? Like, you know, like, I like the cardinals and stuff. But, like, actual birds? Like, they, they keep pooping on my car, Anthony. Well, not all birds poop on your car. Yeah, a lot of them do. And I've parked in different spots at my place. Yeah. And they're still finding it. And they're pooping right on that car. <laughs> Well, it sounds like they've got a little bit of an issue with you. I'll go clean the they car. They are hunting you down by pooping right on your car. It's not. I, what I did you do? Beef. I don't know. Hmm. 
I have no idea. You might want to check yourself. You know, you might want to reflect a little bit tonight. You say, hey, what did I do? Take a little responsibility. What did I do to these birds? Because they are assassinating my car with their fecal matter right now. Yeah. I have a, question I have a black why. car, and it, it's like gray now. I'm mm. sure. Yeah. Anthony, I see you as a, a bird watcher. Your backyard, the way it's set up. Yeah, you know, nature right there. Yeah. I see you as a big bird watcher. We've got cardinals. We've got blue jays. We've got a hawk that flies over every once in a while. Really? My son Killian is obsessed with that thing. Watch out for Lincoln. Yeah, he'll get picked right up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Lincoln, though, might punch him. Oh, it's possible. I just don't know how high up before Lincoln starts to. Yeah, you don't want to get too high. No. No. I'd catch him, though. But still, let's avoid it. Let's avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see Marcelo Zuna yesterday? Yeah, get Will Smith in the the back of the head. So I watched that several times. There's no way it's on purpose. There's no way. He has a, a nice full stroke, all the big stroke, all the way back around with the bat, following through the way you should as mm-hmm. a hitter. And then Will Smith got all like bitter beer face after. Like, bro, you're the catcher. You had to fall through. You think Marcelo Zuna, like, if he stepped back and hit him initially with the beginning of the swing, right. that I've seen before. And that can be like debatable. This mm-hmm. one here did not look debatable. I agree. And Ozuna's reaction immediately—he turned. It was like went right to him. Yeah. And then Will Smith. What would be the? Let me let me ask this. I mean, and and Will Smith has every. If he if he gets ticked off, he's frustrated. You know, this is somebody that I believe I don't want to miss misspeak, but I believe had concussion issues earlier this year. In fact, I think the first game they came back was against the Cardinals out in L.A. So you know he's got some concussion issues. He he's ticked. I, I understand, but. If you do take a step back and you say, okay, what does Marcelo Zuna get out of this? You know, to, to knock out. He doesn't out, even get a catcher's interference call on that. Right. Does he knock out Will Smith to take him out for a series in the middle of May? I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, I just don't. Yeah, you have don't to look at it. the end goal here. Yeah. What's the end goal? Yeah. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What happened to the offseason darlings? I saw a quote by Trey Turner of the Phillies, and he just says, listen, I suck. You're not the only team. Uh, you don't play for the only team that spent a lot of money that haven't been playing well. We'll dive into that conversation next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So I ran across the headline and then checked out the article. Trey Turner, when describing his first year with the Phillies, of course, he signed a a massive contract and he's off to a slow start. He's hearing the boos from the Philadelphia fans that they're frustrated over that same slow start for the team. He goes, I'm honest with myself. I've sucked, Turner said Monday after struggling. The struggling Phillies lost to the Diamondbacks. 
he says every at bat, every play, every game is another day to try to do better and try to be the best player that I know I am. If you harp on yesterday, you harp on the last at bat. It's just going to snowball on you. You're not going to be able to turn it around. So I'm honest with myself. I tell myself straight. I don't like to lie to myself. I like I I think I'm a positive guy. I think I can always do better. I can always be what be better. That's the attitude I have. But at the same time, I know when I don't do something right. That guy he sucks. <laughs> Typically, he doesn't. Anthony, but uh, <laughs> this season he has. So my question to you, Jamie yeah. and Marshy, I was looking at the standings, the updated standings in Major League Baseball, and this is not a Cardinals thing. Okay, let's not uh, let's not personalize it here. We all know that the Cardinals are all, are also off to a slow start. They're twenty one and twenty eight. They're in fourth place in the AL Central. Yeah. They also didn't go out this off season or last off season and spend buku bucks to upgrade their roster. The Phillies did that. They're 22 and 25. They're still staring up at the Braves, the Mets, and even the Marlins in the NL East. Worse shape, the Padres at 21 and 26, they're eight games back of the Dodgers, which, hey, they're still the Dodgers, but the Dodgers didn't make a bunch of moves this offseason. Padres did, again, after a big deadline splash last year with Juan Soto, and in previous offseasons making big-time moves. They're staring up the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants in the NL West. Now other teams, the Rangers, who spent big money the last two off seasons, they're 29 and 18. So there are some teams like that that have had success. But Jamie, whether it's baseball or other sports, we've had this conversation before. Why do you think that ultra-talented teams ultimately don't have success when it comes to the win-losses? Well, that I, I don't know if I have the answer for that because, again, I always feel like baseball is a very unique sport in, in that sense. Like if you're talking about basketball or, or hockey or football where you plop a guy into an offense or a defense, like it's way more team-oriented. And although baseball is a team sport, it's also an individual competition between the batter and the pitcher or the pitcher and the batter. So it's unique in that sense to where I don't feel like you – You've disrupted the chemistry of an entire team because you put a really good hitter in your lineup. Mm-hmm. Like I, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is I pulled up John Denton's tweet here is that uh, Trey Turner three hundred million, Xander Bogarts two eighty, two hundred eighty million, Carlos Correa two hundred million, Dansby Swanson one hundred and seventy seven million. The King. Paul DeYoung <laughs> has more home runs than all of them, Anthony. And we used to complain about his contract. We did. We did. <laughs> the king has returned. That's, yes. that's a steal he looking at some of these other has. deals. So I don't know ultimately what the problem is with some of these high-priced guys. Uh, Trevor Story, uh, he struggled too for, for the first little go in Boston. Now he's injured. Uh, at least he was. I don't know if he's back yet. So I, I don't know. Why that happens, unless it's just maybe a hitting philosophy. Maybe there's things that they're getting used to, uh, stadiums that they're getting used to, like as far as their home stadium on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think is the reason? I think that when you you have a bunch of high-priced guys, obviously they they had success elsewhere, and they come in and they're expected to be kind of the missing piece. Trey Turner... Maybe not viewed as the the ultimate missing piece for the Phillies, but 
this is a team that didn't have a high-profile shortstop to go to go along with the rest of the high-profile act that they had at other positions. So in some respects, he's he's paid a lot of money to come in and you know add on to what should be a monster lineup. When you get enough of those guys and they and you, and you start to struggle, I wonder if it's a pressure thing. The expectations sky high. You know, when Trey Turner was was with the Nationals, he's coming up through the Nationals, he's young players, not making a ton of money yet. He gets traded to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are well established. You know who the Dodgers are. And even though you got guys like Jason Hayward in your lineup and James Outman and some of these other guys, you're like, who, what, what, what? And they're still winning? The Dodgers are a team. They know exactly what the identity is. The culture is established. We know who we are. And when you step in, it doesn't really matter how much money you're making. You put the Dodgers uniform on, and you know you know what the identity of that team is. Now, Jamie, to your point, baseball a little different. Hockey, culture, football culture, basketball culture. I think it's it's probably more important to have that team-building aspect to it. But there is something to a team and a collection of talent. And I think the Phillies, to this point, are a collection of talent. The Padres are definitely a collection of talent. And when you get enough of those high-priced guys that are struggling, I think it winds up being a a bit of an issue. You can also say, well, the Padres, the pitching, maybe they lack there. Uh, The Phillies, a couple of guys banged up, not having Reese Hoskins. Uh, Bryce Harper missed the first month of the season. That factors in, too. But not to the point where this team should be 22-25. and No, so that's kind of my thought on it. I agree. Um, it it is always very dangerous or tricky, rather, when you do assemble these dream teams, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've seen it in the NBA to where I think it's only really been successful once in recent history, as far as like the dream team. You know, the Miami Heat had the uh, the three headed monster there for a while with Dwayne yeah. Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh. I do know that that ultimately worked out for the Miami Heat. Um, some of the other teams, like the Brooklyn Nets, tried to do it. They tried to assemble just an all-star team, and the wheels fell off Right everywhere. There are too many individuals pulling on the rope in different directions, and there's only one ball out there, and they can't all have it at the same time, and they can't all be the guys to score the baskets all the time. In hockey, there's only one puck available. And, and in baseball, I, I think that when you look at it, there's only one spot batting cleanup there's only one leadoff spot there's only like so you might have some guys that get their feathers ruffled a little bit and or they think they're bigger than the team overall there's always a risk in assembling a bunch of all-star players let me ask you this when you went to detroit because that team as you've mentioned that team was yeah, loaded. When they added a high profile guy like they myself added a high profile guy like yourself yeah. and jamie rivers uh-huh. now that you you wound up being the missing piece there oh, thank you they also had a lot of talent and a lot of talent that came from elsewhere. Oh, yeah. So Mahali coming in. Uh, they, it wasn't just a team that just drafted everybody and eventually, you know, hey, here we go. Mm-hmm. They drafted guys. They made trades. They made they you know they signed they signed guys and it and it all worked. When you went to Detroit, did you feel as though that you were stepping in to a team, an actual team, as opposed to a collection of talent? And why that? Why was that? Like who who established that culture? In a locker room filled with superstars. Yeah, I absolutely felt like I was stepping into uh, the ultimate team. People knew their roles. They executed their job the way they needed to. It's leadership. 
from the top down, from Scotty Bowman, from from Mr. Illich, the owner, to Ken Holland, to Scotty Bowman, to Dave Lewis, to all the coaches that were there, to Steve Eiserman, to Chris Chelios, Nick Lidstrom. You had an unbelievable food chain of leadership there. And at the end goal was all the same. Winning a Stanley Cup was all that mattered. If you didn't win a Stanley Cup that year or the next year or the next year, it was a failure. And we know that's not necessarily true because the season overall is a massive success when you barely lose. Mm -hmm. But in the eyes of the players and the leadership group and the ownership, all they wanted to do was drink champagne out of the cup. That's it. And that was the goal. So if you came into the Red Wings locker room and that was not your ultimate goal, you didn't belong and you didn't stay. And Ken Holland vetted every single guy he ever added. He vetted them, talking to agents, players, former coaches, all sorts of things. And so that's why when I had the opportunity to sign in Detroit, as opposed to the Coyotes at the time, I had a better deal on the table with the Coyotes. And I was like, let's go where the money is. My agent said, pump the brakes there, tough guy. The Detroit Red Wings are offering you a contract that says something about you. They want to add you to their mix of players. And when I sat back and evaluated, I was like, this is actually the perfect situation for me. And obviously, I'm really glad I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But to me, ultimately, the whole thing comes down to the proper leadership and the proper message from the leadership. I wonder if there's anything to say, and we'll, we'll just stick with, with baseball here, anything to say about players that are traded to a team and players that end up signing with the team because maybe they're not pushed as much if they sign there um you know i heard jason kipnis talking about uh you know the 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 mets and maybe their situation that they don't have a bunch of leaders on their team maybe they're not pushing each other who knows if that was true or not mm-hmm. or that's just his opinion uh, but it got me thinking, you know, you look at a guy like Mookie Betts, he wasn't, you know, he didn't sign with the dot. He was traded there, right? So yeah. he has something to prove to his former team that, hey, I can still play at this high level. You know, you look at some other guys that end up signing big contracts with teams, they fizzle out. We don't hear from them again. Right. I wonder if there's anything to that. I, You know, Marsh, I think... I think that it's it might have more to do with who the player is mm-hmm. as opposed to how he and was acquired. Yeah. Uh, but I think you bring up an interesting point with Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts in Boston, he's a two-time World Series champion. So when he goes over to L.A., Dodgers over the last 15 years now have had a, had, have had a history of winning. Now, not winning ultimately winning World Series, mm-hmm. as we know. But he steps in with two World Series rings. He knows it goes back to the conversation we had a couple of days ago. He knows what it takes to be a champion. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's going to take to go throughout the grind of a season, push when he needs to push as a leader, take his foot off a little bit when you know the the times are a little bit rough. But ultimately, he knows what it takes to win. I think it's about the player. When you amass like the Mets or the Padres, again, a perfect example, the Padres. Who on that team right now knows how to win? So outside of Bogarts, right? Yeah. Because Bogarts, I think, has has one or two two championships. But you got Manny Machado, very good, mm-hmm. very good player. Tatis has been a great player at times. Soto, well, Soto won a championship, so this just completely destroys my my point here. 
But if you want to flip it on its well, head, let's pretend he's not on the team. Maybe <laughs> he has not been. You know, maybe he really it just hasn't goes, been great. Maybe it just goes back to championships or not championships. Excuse me, starting pitching for for San Diego. Maybe that's what it is. But you look at the Dodgers again, like you said, and, and this kind of ties everything in with with the culture that you are setting. You know, you bring in a guy like Freddie Freeman who wasn't traded there like how I was kind of mentioning but a guy that knows how to win and has that right mentality Mm -hmm. about said uh you know how about winning um so I mean certain certain teams do it better than others and to Jamie's point it's about leadership it's about leadership it's about demanding what the you know here's the expectation we're not going to be comfortable and we're going to continue to force uh everybody to work hard around us so that we can achieve the ultimate goal we've got the lineup which means we got the lineup game next on 101 ESPN yes Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That sound means it's time to play the lineup game in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. 5.40 start time in Cincinnati tonight. It'll be Adam Wainwright versus Graham Ashcraft, a right-hander for Cincinnati. Jamie? Yeah. I think this is the newt. Yeah, it's the newt. There it is. Let's go, baby. Show us the newt. Alright. Go ahead. Oh, this is the big fundy himself. Paul Goldschmidt. I love gold. Oh, this is nasty. Nasty Nolan Gorman. Stormin' Garbin, he's taking the league by storm. Who absolutely mashes left-handed pitching. Yeah, he's an everyday player. Everyday player, Jamie. We've been saying it for a while now. Yeah, we have all he listens. It's okay. We got you. Marsh, show us. Nolan Arnato. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. All right. Yep. Big Willie style. You think? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Show us Wilson Wilson Contreras. Wilson! 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 Is this Brendan Donovan back in there? Yes. I think it is too. Show me. Show Anthony. Show us. (laughs) Brendan Donovan. Sorry, guys. What? Paul DeYoung. Oh, it's the king. I think it's the king at six. I think, I think he likes DeYoung at seven. I don't care. I think he realizes that that seven is a little too far down the lineup. He wants the king a little bit higher here. I don't know. I just, I just have a feeling. He's excited. Go for it. I'm with you. I'm Show me the king. I'll write it in. <laughs> the king has returned. Nice. Yes, okay, now has. Donovan. So we just flipped it to. Nice call. Enjoy that moment for a second. Nice job, Jamie. Not for me. For everybody. For the king. There's Could a be a respect. Could be a mistake, though. Why? He's mashing out of the seventh spot. Oh, one hole is not going to make a difference. It does. It really does. Move him up or down. Doesn't matter. Do we agree on Donovan here? Yeah. Show sure. us. Show us Brendan Donovan. All right. Way to go, Donnie. All right. All right. Mercado Edmund. Yes. No. I think it goes Edmund Mercado. Okay. Show us Tommy Edmund. Show us Tommy Boy. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy Boy, to get this place going. Good call, Jamie. Go ahead. You got get the final say. 
Show us that Oscar Mercado. You're wrong. Ooh. Oh, wow. He's already benched. He's in the doghouse already. He didn't get in last night. Is that, uh, that the issue? Is it Burleson? Bill Burley? Left-handed uh, bat? Newt in center. Goldie at first. Donovan in Contreras right. Or left. Third. I think it's Alec Burleson. Okay. You've been spot on. Show me that Burley Burleson. You're so rugged and manly. <laughs> All right. Good work, sure Jamie. It is. All right. Marsh, run it. Leading off in center field, Lars Newbar batting second to DH, Paul Goldschmidt batting third. Oh, what? Batting right. third. Sorry. Second baseman, Nolan Gorman. The cleanup hitter batting fourth, third baseman, Nolan Arnado. Batting fifth. The catcher, Wilson Contreras. Batting sixth, shortstop, Paul DeYoung. Batting seventh, first baseman, Brendan Donovan. Batting eighth in right field is Tommy Edmond. And batting ninth in left field is Alec Burleson. Go foul! Go foul! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! <laughs> Can't read it. All right. Jamie just laughed at something. Can we get a funny text? Yeah. No, don't read it. Well, I'm going to read it in my head. Yeah. 501 text of the day so far. All right, Jamie, I believe you're still leading us. <laughs> All right, I got to see this now. <laughs> All righty. Pick your pick your pony here, guys. A lot of money too. Oh my just god! Just the years. Five of one. Let's party. Uh, go ahead. What you're, am I doing? You're I leading. Focus here right now. Home run. All right. Uh, this one's not going to be difficult for me today. I'm going back with Storm and Gorman here. Let's go, Marsh. I wanted to pick him. Um, <laughs> can't imagine why. Let me look at this. I think. Nolan Arnado is going to hit a home run today. Goldie's been kind of quiet. I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. Mm. I love gold. Tonight's at home run. Tonight, Cincinnati, your Cardinals, 540. Graham Ashcraft, Adam Wainwright, the great American small park. BT's going to be on the call for Bally Sports Midwest, and he's going to join us next. We'll talk about... The pitching matchup tonight and break down what, uh, what's been happening over the last couple of days in Cardinal Nation. Brad Thompson, next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Brad Thompson joining us right now from Cincinnati as the Cardinals and Reds get ready to play again tonight in game two of their series. What's up, BT? What is going on, gentlemen? How are we doing today? Everything's good. I mean, last night wasn't great, but the Cardinals have been excellent overall. 
What do you think of Jordan Montgomery's performance again last night? Are you concerned at all? Uh, I mean, not, not ideal, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he was just wildly inconsistent. Uh, he was, you know, he really didn't have any zip on his fastball, couldn't couldn't command anything. The only pitch that really was working for him was his changeup, and he used it darn near half the time, you know. So, uh, Ollie, we were just talking to Ollie in his office a minute ago. He said, you know, I, I, I had the thought about bringing him out there because we desperately need innings again out of our starters, bringing him out for the fifth. But with the way that it was looking, it, it felt like you were going to have to go get him anyhow. Wanted to keep the game as tight as it was. So uh, did not extend him, only, only let him go that four innings. And you know that he's frustrated about it. And you guys listen to him after the game. You know, he's, he's upset about the way that it went and wants to do better. He talked about feeling like he doesn't do his job if he doesn't give you six innings. But you need more out of him. No question. You need more out of all these starters. You need innings out of all these starters. And you land on Adam today, who, you know, is, has not given you a ton of innings to this point this year. BT, how much of a, how much of a, I guess, a problem is it or a risk is it for your pitching staff, specifically your bullpen, if your starters can't get deeper into the game? How much stress is this going to put on the bullpen? A ton, a ton. It'll wear you down by the end of the season, and that's something actually we just got done talking to Ollie about. He and he was saying he said, "Look, we we think that we've done a good job of spreading this out for the guys. They have the third least amount of of guys that have gone uh, on zero rest, so they're trying to make sure they build in rest for guys. Uh, but at some point, when you're eating up four or five innings a clip, like it ends up hurting you a little bit. Pardon me, as a forklift goes by. I'm in the fouls <laughs> of Great American Ballpark. Heads uh, up." But, yeah, it's uh, it's one where yes, Jamie, absolutely. Like you just can't you can't sustain something like that when you're you're having to eat up that many innings. And the problem is the other problem is that the Cardinals have they don't have movable pieces in their bullpen. You've got two guys that you could do that Memphis shuttle with, and you kind of need them both. It's Hennessy Cabrera, your lone lefty, and Andre Palante, who is uh, your de facto other lefty uh, with the splits that he has. Like, there's just not a lot of flexibility in that bullpen. So the key is getting more out of your starters. BT, on the other side, this offense continues to roll, and Paul DeYoung has been sensational since returning from the IL. He, he has two home runs and eight RBI in his last two games. He's also up to eight home runs now in 93 plate appearances on the season. When either you have talked to Paul DeYoung or maybe you've had discussions with other guys or just you know your own viewpoint of things, what's the main difference between Paul DeYoung now and what we saw over the last couple of years where he re- really struggled? I think that there's a bunch of them, and I, I've talked to Paul about it. I've talked to the coaching staff about it. Uh, the, the one with, with Paul, and certainly everybody's going to point to the adjustments that he made in his swing, and they're evident. And it's obvious that they're working, especially you can see it show up when there's two strikes. The quietness in his swing really helps him get to stuff. He's not chasing as much, not as many moving parts. But I really think that, I know, mentally he's in a better place right now. He's, he's actually enjoying himself playing the game again. He's not pressing. He's not worried about a bunch of stuff. And you guys know this, whatever it is that you're doing, if you can do it free, if you don't feel like you're putting all the pressure in the world on you and, and really just enjoying what you're doing, you're going to be better at it. So I think that that's one of the biggest things with him. And I was having this conversation with Chip off the air, uh, and I, I asked a few people around the organization, I go, is there a chance that Paul DeYoung has worked him, himself from the guy that everybody wanted to get rid of to potentially picking up his option 
for next year or the way that he's playing. I mean, what do you guys think? Is, is that crazy to believe? I believe the option is for like 12 or $13 million next year. Could you see that happening with Paul DeYoung? If he continues to hit like this, yes. I've been flirting with the idea, uh, you know, talking to Anthony and Marshy yesterday, BT. I, you know, Marshy asked, like, do you believe this is real, what you're seeing from Paul DeYoung? And some of the same reasons you just gave us, I said that he just looks different up there. You know, he's confident. Even after a bad at bat, he doesn't have the happy feet. He doesn't look distracted. He doesn't look nervous. Everything is just free and easy, and he's got a nice swing. And it, it, mentally, he just looks different. So, you know what? I could see it happening. So, yeah, the, the thought process, too, the way that, that I look at it and others that I've talked to uh, look at it is you get a shortstop with that high-end offense and you get it on a one-year deal for 12 or $13 million, whatever the option number ends up being, that ain't too bad, right? And I, I know that the other thought is, okay, well, what about Mason Wynn? You end up blocking him again. When is it a bad thing to have too many good players? Like, I, I, don't, I don't find that to be that big of a roadblock and I, I don't believe that Mason Wynn offensively right now is going to give you what Paul DeYoung is giving you. Now, this is like putting the cart before the horse. We've seen it now for a few weeks. You'd like to see it for a lot longer. But what he's doing has been great. He's playing really good defense over at shortstop and has really been kind of a key to snapping the Cardinals out of the funk, man. It's just crazy how this game is uh, where, where you can go from forgotten and everybody wants you out of there to potentially, boy, I'm thinking about the future with this guy again. BT, tonight you've got Adam Wainwright taking the hill for the Cardinals and Matthew Libertor. We expect to get the start tomorrow. What do you think the game plan is with Matthew Libertor after using him in the bullpen over the weekend? Well, I can say the game plan for today is Libby's going to be ready to pitch today uh, if they need innings. So he will be available out of the bullpen today. If they need up two innings in the middle of this game, it's going to be Libertor potentially. If Adam Wainwright doesn't get you deep enough, uh, so he's going to have to be available for today. You're carrying the extra man in the rotation. You're a man short in the bullpen. Like You kind of need him out there with all of the innings, the, the conversation that we just had. So he will be available. The hope is uh, that he ends up getting the start in Cleveland on, on, the, uh, you know, on the first one. But I think after that, it's going to be wait and see. Like, what, is it, what does it look like? If he looks good, I, don't under, I have no idea how you could have him go out there if he gives you five or six and looks like he did last time, how you could say, we don't, we don't need you in this rotation. They do. Like, they, they need somebody that has the high-octane stuff that he has and can go out there and, and can get the swing and miss. I feel like you have to keep him in there. But I, th- I really do believe that every time Libertor goes out there, it's an audition for his next outing. Like Whether that's fair or not, I think that's kind of the way they're looking at it. BT, circling back to Wayno here tonight, uh, the Great American Ballpark has not always been friendly to, well, to a lot of guys, but also to Adam Wainwright. And, you know, Wayno has had a bit of a tough go here so far this year. The, you know, the underlying numbers are, are not pretty for, for Wayno, but, you know, it's Adam Wainwright. So we're certainly going to, uh, you know, pat him on the shoulder and send him out there. But for you, when you look at Adam Wainwright and you look at tonight specifically, what's the strategy for Adam Wainwright? How should he be approaching the batters? So the strategy that I would have against this lineup, who with all due respect to the Reds, and I realize where the Cardinals are in the standings, they are right there with the Reds. They're not a good offensive ball club. They're just not. And to me, this is an offense that you're aggressive with and you're aggressive with down in the zone. If I was looking at my pitch mix, if I'm Adam Wainwright, I would be leaning heavily on the sinker and trying to keep the ball on the ground. And that has been an issue certainly for everybody, Jamie, to your point, at Great American Ballpark. The ball flies here, pop-ups get out. 
uh, that home run, that spear hit yesterday, uh, you know, that's not out in 20 of the ballparks in baseball. Unfortunately, Great American Ballpark was one of the ballparks that it is out of. Uh, but that would be the key for me is down in the zone. He's run into some trouble lately. Um, he, he falls in love at times with that cutter, and sometimes it can be a really good pitch. Other times it ends up being a BP fastball. I hope to see him aggressive early in the zone. We all know that Adam doesn't throw 92, 93, 94 miles an hour anymore. It doesn't matter. If he, if he spots his sinker down, he can get quick out. But one thing that this uh, we haven't seen here in the last week or so is like the defense on their toes. We saw it with Miles Michaelis, who's the last one to get through seven. Other than that, in, in the last seven turns around here or the seven times, uh, seven starts, you've only had one guy get you past five-plus. That was Miles. So I want the defense to be on their toes early and often. It starts with him pounding his sinker down in the zone. BT, can you hang for another segment? Yeah, absolutely. As long as you don't mind forklifts and, and a bunch of stuff, I picked a horrible spot for this. This is fantastic. No, we don't mind one bit. Yeah, I'm in. It, it adds, I'm in. It adds to the flavor of the conversation. All right, more with Brad Thompson the Cardinals next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hanging breaking ball from Brad Thompson, and boy does he get a swing on it. Lift and separate and see you later. Well, that was uh, that was nasty. This is what I hung around for. I, you know, Brad. <laughs> BT, I tried to stop what, them. This is what I mean. Come on, no. Look, it's good to hear things like this. It it, it makes me miss you guys even more. <laughs> if there was going to be one person to dive in the archives and pull out a Micah Owens home home run against you, BT, at. Uh, <laughs> Great American Small Park on July fourth. Actually, I don't even know. I don't even know if it was the Small Park at that point. Was it? Oh nine. It was. It, it was. was. Okay. Yeah, and he went dead center field. If anybody's going to pull, he's going to go into the archives and pull out a, a, a BT allowed home run. Who's it going to be? Uh, it's going to be Mike Ryder. It's going to be yes, Mike Ryder. Are. Yeah, Mike Ryder did the homework on that. Nice job. Uh, he also wanted to talk about the uh, the fact that Levon Hernandez did the one flap down uh. on you too at one point. This is our, all right. If, if this is what we're doing today, if you came here to hurt me, um, fine. Levon Hernandez, I still hate him, no matter what. I tried to stop him no, too, aren't. BT. I did. No, you weren't. You, you guys Anthony, were in on it. Vouch for me. Marsh was actually pretty hung up about it, and Jamie said, Come on, guys, what are we doing? Like, why do we always do that? Yeah. No. But we went through it. I got overruled. Yep. Look, at least I gave up big league homers. You know what I mean? Darn yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. come on. There's no wall scrapers. You're, you know. Well, well, no, there were some wall scrapers too, Anthony. They didn't have to all be tanks. You know, I was just talking about <laughs> the fact that you know I was in the big leagues and stuff. Oh uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> yeah. a fact, baby. Won a World Series yeah. too. Tell them. Yeah. Good right. job, Anthony. Brad Thompson joining us right now from we, Cincinnati. We got any of those highlights? Do we get any, get any like strikeout in the World Series highlights? Yeah, any of that? absolutely. Uh, Ryder's Mike Ryder digging. Yeah, Ryder's looking for those right now. Yeah, right okay, now. Okay, all right. Well, next maybe Friday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, BT, you had, you had said last segment that you could see the Cardinals using Matthew Libertor maybe tonight out of the bullpen. When it comes to Steven Matz, I mean, is there is there a competition for one of the spots in the rotation, or 
is this just a situation where it's like all hands on deck right now because none of our starters are, are pitching deep? Like, what's what's kind of the the one month plan maybe for Matthew Libertor and Stephen Matz? Look, I, I really think that it, it does fall into the latter part of the all hands on deck because you know, we're, first of all, the Cardinals are in the midst of a, a hellacious part of their schedule: nineteen games in nineteen days. And I'll just tell you this, especially from a position player standpoint, the guys are kind of gassed right now. Like you, you, you need some off days for some guys. That's why you're seeing Goldie DH today. Good chance you'll see him DH again tomorrow. DeYoung's going to get an off day soon. Arenado's going to get an off day soon. Maybe the first day in Cleveland. Like they, they're trying to stagger these off days and still win very winnable games. Uh, but when it comes to the pitching staff. Well, the staff has kind of been gassed, and I, I don't know if they are particularly looking at it a, as a match versus Libertor, but I think that they're looking at it as who's going to give you quality. And what you've seen early returns in the only start that Libby had against Milwaukee was it looked like quality, you know, and it looked like something that, uh, you know, he ended up throwing the ball really, really well, and they'd like to see more and more of that, you know, but I don't know if there's a specific plan of like how they're going to deploy him. Like I said, he can, he's going to be available tonight out of the bullpen. If he doesn't pitch, then he'll be starting a game in Cleveland. If he does pitch, he won't, you know, and I'm sure that he would much rather not get in the ball game today and get the start, but they, they need to be able to utilize a little bit of everybody. So I don't think that they organizationally, like from the front office standpoint, that they really want to put Steven Matz in the bullpen and have Libby in the rotation, but he might end up forcing your hand right now if Stephen Matz doesn't grab a hold of it. So, BT, for the last you know handful of days, I have been just my own personal opinion is I haven't been a fan of Libertor starting and then you know weaving him in and out of the bullpen, and you know I just I don't know I'd like to see the young man just get into a rhythm and and get an opportunity to just be one or the other. I understand there's circumstances surrounding it and probably things that I don't understand, which I'm okay with. I accept that. But if Matthew Libertor right now, put, putting ourselves in his shoes, how difficult is it to be prepared not really knowing if you're coming out of the bullpen tonight or you're getting the start against Cleveland? It is difficult, but it's also the role of a young player, right? There's some things that you did when you broke into the NHL, Jamie, that, that maybe they didn't ask you to do a little bit later in your career. And that's kind of part of it for a young pitcher as well, who's trying to make an impact any way he can. And to me, that's how you really ingrain yourself to a team and to a manager and to a pitching coach is whatever the role is, you're able to step up. But it's not easy because preparation is a big part of it. It's different different getting ready out of the bullpen. It's different on a day like today with Wayno pitching with uncertainty as to, you know, is he going to go four and then I got to eat up five, six? Will they get through six and they don't need me at all? Like, there is a lot that ends up going into it, but I, I think he's talented enough to handle it. But would things be easier for him? Would you be setting on, him on a better path to just give him the ball every fifth or sixth day? For sure. But unfortunately, right now, the way things are set up, he's just not able to do it. So they're, they're asking you know, something very difficult from him, but they believe that he can do it. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, speaking of another young guy who, wow, he's having, I mean, he is having an incredible season, is Nolan Gorman. And we're seeing him have success against left-handed pitching, whether it's drawing a walk or coming up with a timely hit or even hitting a, a bombzilla out there off a lefty. What have you noticed with his approach and his at-bats against lefties that maybe wasn't there before? 
Uh, well, first of all, opportunity is the biggest <laughs> one. Like, he's getting a chance to actually do it. It's funny. You know, it's a, we, we can think all we want, and we can go back and look at minor league numbers and say, wow, he never hit lefties then. But he is a different guy. You know, he's growing. He's 23 years old and still learning himself. And the only way you're going to get better at hitting lefties is hitting lefties. So he's been given the chance. But when you're watching him in the box, stuff that you did see last year that, that you're not seeing this year, last year he would be cheating on pitches and really pulling off. He wouldn't be able to handle anything away. And as we all know, he struggled against the fastball up, even against the lefties in limited duty. He struggled against that pitch. Now we're seeing him calm in the box. Uh, and, and one of the biggest things to watch is like the takes that he has. The, when he's taking a pitch, specifically a slider from the lefty, watch him. Like Generally, his weight is still back, and he's recognizing the pitch. Whether the pitch is away from him or the pitch is, is low, he's picking it up, and it's not like the full-on emergency stop. He's really just reading the pitch as well. So uh, to me, he's going to continue getting better and better at that, uh, at hitting lefties. I mean, he's he should be an everyday player. And when I say everyday, I mean relatively, because I also believe that he's a guy that you are going to have to still build in some rest for. He's a big-bodied guy. You're going to have to make sure you keep him as fresh as possible. Yeah, but the, but the main thing, it comes down to opportunity. And from talking to the staff, like, he's going to continue to get this opportunity because he's taking advantage of it. BT, we'll let you go. We know that you got a game to prepare for. Bring us home a winner. Hey, that is the plan. That was the plan last night, totally honest. But I failed everybody. Tonight, uh, Chip and I are going to do better. There you go. Yeah. I like the personal ownership that you take in this. Thank you. That's on me. It's not those guys. It has nothing to do with the 14 strikeouts and not taking advantage of nine walks. It has nothing to do with your starter going four, guys. That's on Chip and I. Yeah. <laughs> BT, one of your better breakdowns, yeah. my friend. You've had a lot of them. Pass that along to Chip first. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. Will do. I'll talk to you guys later. See you, BT. Thank you. Yeah. That's our that's our good buddy, uh, Brad Thompson, here on 101 ESPN. What do you what you think of the Libertor comment? I mean, it makes sense from a standpoint of they may, they, they may need – innings but i don't love it i'm not a fan i don't like the young man being in limbo like that and i understand bt's 100 percent right when you're the young guy there's things that have asked that are asked of you that you just do i remember being asked to play right wing on the fourth line okay i'll do that yeah no i'll problem. go do that no problem nothing to do with where i played any time before in my life but I'm ready to do it just to be in the big leagues and be a great team player i do view this a little differently though the pitching position is a very difficult position, especially for young guys. He had a real nice rhythm going. And then now it's like it's fluctuating all over. The preparation's different. And, and right now, knowing that, hey, you're on call, but maybe not. Like, I, I don't know. I don't love it. Let's just put it that way. We have your chance right now to score a pair of tickets to see Dead and Company at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on June 7th. Very few tickets remain for the show. You can find all the ticket details at 101ESPN.com. But right now, we're going to give you a question, trivia question, that you can text in the answer to at 314-399-9646. Again, 314-399-9646 to win tickets to see Dead and Company on June 7th. Your trivia question is, we played a highlight or a low light if you're Brad Thompson at the start of the show at the start of this segment uh, where he gave up a home run to a certain player at the Great American Small Park who is that player that BT gave the home run up to July 4th 2009 if you have the correct answer text into the air conference service text line text line at 314-399-9646 and you'll have the chance to go see Dead and Company we got the gauntlet next 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Congratulations to Randy from Edwardsville, Illinois. He won the tickets to see Dead and Company on June 7th. He had the correct answer to our trivia question. Question was, who took Brad Thompson deep? July 4th, 2009, in Cincinnati, we played the cut for BT, who uh, he was a good sport about it, but I'm oh, he sure he's less than appreciative, yeah. Anthony. Yeah, absolutely. I don't blame him. The correct answer was Mike Owings. So, congratulations. You're going to go see Dead & Company on June 7th. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, where it's 402. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. And, Marsh, if you told me who the contestant was, I flat forgot it. His name is Tim. What's up, Tim? How's it going, man? Doing okay. First time in the gauntlet? Yeah, I've been trying to get on for a few weeks. You guys just keep ignoring me. Wow. Marsh, what the hell? Anthony, I can't talk to everybody. Well, I mean, still, Tim's been trying. Yeah. Well, we got him on now. I need to make a note from, the, from now on. Tim, is this a rev- is this kind of a revenge thing? Are you, are you taking Marsh today? Are you choosing Jamie or myself? Well, I think I'm going to go Jamie. You know, I'm just, uh, I know you guys need an easy win, so I'm just here for the boys right now. Wow. Oh, wow. I, I kind of like the like self deprecation, yeah, but I'd like be worried, it. Jamie. He's setting me up for failure. Tim, I don't like it one bit. Oh, uh, trust me. I'm more, more confident in you than I am myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, good luck, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. Tim, your job is to tell Marsh to spin that wheel. We'll see what category you get today. Spin that wheel, Marsh. All right, Tim. I always like to ask, just for fun, what category do you want? If it's baseball, I have a 5% chance. If it's anything else, probably a 2% chance. How do you feel about hockey? Awful. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's hockey. I was I, Tim. I like you. I, I know we only been talking for about two minutes now, but I like you. I didn't want you to get hockey, but uh, the wheel unfortunately does not uh, does not appreciate you. So yeah. I'm sorry. Just like everybody else in my life. No. Right? <laughs> I appreciate you, Tim. I do. I, I feel like we're best friends now. Yes, exactly. All right. So as you know, Tim, four questions, all hockey. If you need the options, those questions are worth one point. If you don't need the options and you get it right, then that's two points. You ready to go? Ready as ever, B. All right. Who is the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup? Oh, Canadian team. Mm, I think I know, but I want the option. Calgary Flames. Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Canadiens. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Montreal. Final answer? Yep. Question number two. Two different players had four goal games in the second round and ended up losing the game. Joe Pavelski did it in game one against Seattle. Who else did it? I'm going to go Leon Dreisaitl. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Leon Dreisaitl, final answer? Yep. All right, Tim, question number three. In 2001, which player set the Blues franchise record for most time on ice logged in a single playoff game? 
playing 51 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, since I'm going to lose anyways, I'm just going to go for it and go Chris Pronger. Final answer. Question number four. The longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history needed how many overtimes? Oh, jeez. Um, I'll do options. Options are six, seven, or eight. Wow, I was going to say like three, so. <laughs> Good thing you got the options. Um, seven. I don't think it's eight. That's absurd. Who knows? I'll meet you in the middle and go seven. Final answer. All right, let's bring back Jamie from the Cone of Silence. Tim, how you feeling? Oh, I feel like words I can't say on the radio. Okay, all right. I appreciate that then. The FCC, they're always listening. Those nosy, you know what? Uh Uh-oh. What happened? Did Timmy drop one? No, Tim Tim was very respectful. He he was saying that he didn't want to. He didn't want to drop a bad word. Yeah, well, I don't blame him. It's just, it happens sometimes, Anthony, it as you know. Does. Marsh, why don't you go ahead and tell Jamie what's going on here? Jamie, you better pack a lunch. Okay. Jamie, your category is hockey. Oh, God. Your category is hockey. Sometimes I don't like these. Question number one, Jamie. Yeah. Who was the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup? 19... 19- 93, the Montreal Canadiens. Final answer. Question number two. Two different players had four goal games in the second round and ended up losing the game. Joe Pavelski did it in game one against Seattle. Who else did it? Leon Dreisaitl. Final answer. Question number three, Jamie. In 2001... Which player set the Blues franchise record for most most ice time logged in a single playoff game, playing 51 minutes and 10 seconds? In 2001. Well, it's either Chris Pronger or Al McInnes. Um, I'll go with Chris Pronger, final answer. Question number four. The longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history needed how many overtimes? Wow. God, for some reason, I feel like it was seven. That seems really, 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 really ridiculously long. Um, Four, five for sure. Six or seven. Yeah, you know, seven seems really far-fetched. I'll go with six, final answer. That reminded me of Zoolander. Yeah. He's like, really, 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 really <laughs> I ridiculously think that's what he was doing. Looking. I landed it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> really, uh, really ridiculously good looking. Tim, you said that you had more confidence in Jamie than you did yourself. Let's see how both of you guys did today as Tim takes on Jamie in the hockey gauntlet. In 2001, which player set the Blues franchise record for most ice time uh, most time on ice logged in a single playoff game, playing 51 minutes and 10 seconds? Jamie, you said Chris Pronger. Tim, you said Chris Pronger. Correct answer is Chris Pronger. But neither of you needed the options Ooh. on that. Nice job, Tim and Jamie. 2-2 two, two is our score. Two different players had four goal games in the second round and ended up losing the game. Joe Pavelski did it in game one against Seattle. Who else did it? Jamie, you went Leon Dreisaitl. Tim, 
You went. Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Correct answer is... Leon Dreisaitl. But... Neither of you needed the options. Nice job, guys. 4-4. Four, four. Look at you, guys. I might Timmy. be nasty at this. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get nasty. Here we go. All right. Nice job, Tim. I played hockey when I was eight, so I felt okay. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. You never lose it. Yep. Who was the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup? Tim, you went with the Montreal Canadiens. Wow, Timmy. Jamie, you also went with the Habs. Correct answer is... It is the Montreal Canadiens, but... Actually, Tim did need the options on that one. So, Jamie takes a one-point lead over Tim. Comes down to this. The longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history needed how many overtimes? Jamie, you went with six, and you did not use the options. Tim, you went seven. You did use the options. If it's seven... We've got a walk-off. If it's six, or the other option of eight, Jamie wins over Tim. Tim. You have chosen poorly. You lose! (laughs) It was six. Six was the answer. So Jamie posted a perfect score. But Tim, I gotta tell you, you were impressive, man. You didn't you didn't think that you you stood a chance, but to get five points against Jamie in his sport, man, that was very impressive, Tim. You should be very proud of yourself. Oh boys, I'm just as shocked as you are, I promise. Oh, nice job, man. Nice job. <laughs> Great I, job, Tim. I wish we could talk to you more, but I'm glad you got through. I hope you get through again. And uh I hope you got a better fate at some point down the road. But thanks for listening and thanks for playing, Tim. All right, I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, take care, we'll see you. Later. Man, I liked him. I liked great. him a lot. I was a little mm-hmm. worried, though, that he was, like, playing the old rope-a-dope. Like, oh, Jamie's way better than me. Oh, don't worry about it. Like, he took the pressure off himself, and he totally put it on me. And then when I heard it was hockey, I'm like, oh, great, here we go. When he went Chris Pronger, so he had he, he asked for the options mm-hmm. with the Canadian. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, ah. He got the dry sidle one he, right, he but said, he, he kind of fumbled on the name. He's like, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Yep. And, and then, he goes, Chris Pronger. I go, oh, boy. He goes, I think it's I'm going to lose close. anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and say Chris Pronger. I'm like, this guy is <laughs> rope-a-doping <laughs> us right yeah. now. Uh, but nice job to Tim. We do appreciate him listening and playing today. Jamie, how does it feel to, to defeat a nice guy? Really nice guy. I have no problem with it at all. Not at all. Should have played better. Sorry, Tim. I like you. Probably have a beer with you. But I don't feel bad for beating you. Wow. Ever. I guess I'm the only one that gets flack for beating the nice people. It's just kind of your role. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Your role in life, Marsh. It's very important. But, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, Jamie. Somebody's got to do it. Or something <laughs> like that. It's fascinating on 101 ESPN. Which NHL free agents could make the most sense for the Blues? Jamie will tell us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony St- uh, and uh, Andrew March. I'm Anthony Stalter. 
almost third person my voice myself there. All right, which NHL big wheel move? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Which NHL free (laughs) agents could make the most sense for the Blues? Jamie, I know you're looking at some of the 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 uh, free agents, the the lists that are starting to come out. Now that we're drawing closer and closer to the Stanley Cup final, which means closer and closer to the off season. So, what are some of the names that have kind of caught your eye? Well. Frank Cervelli and the Daily Faceoff uh, put out a projection list. So it's not, you know, exact, but it's a projection list of what they feel that the, you know, top you know, 50 guys, free agents, could garner this season uh, as far as contract term and dollar amount. And so I found it interesting to kind of peruse the list and take a look at some of our old friends. Um, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko is on this list at number 13. $7.5 million he made this year for his cap hit. Well, the Daily Faceoff projects a three-year deal at $5 million per year for Vladimir Tarasenko. I find that intriguing. Um, I don't know if I expected a three-year deal at $5 million. I feel like it's in the ballpark. Um you know, Marshy, you look at all these numbers. You know these players too. Uh, is that is that accurate for you uh, for a Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if he can really command for much money. Maybe it'd be different if last season. I'm sorry, not this past season, but the previous regular season. If 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 he would have went into free agency after that year, maybe we're looking at some different numbers. But I didn't think he had as strong as of a, of a regular season as he did uh, last year. No, he didn't. That's why I think the five million is a little high. Yeah, personally, I feel like it's a little high, and there's some baggage that comes with that. You know, you're you're getting a 31 year old guy who was disgruntled for the last couple of years in St. Louis, went to the New York Rangers. A little bit of a tough time fitting in there initially. Then the team didn't have any playoff success. So I I don't know how that affects him overall with the free agent market. Um, I do think a three-year deal is probably what he ends up getting. Will it be between four and five million? Probably. So are we splitting hairs? Maybe. Uh, But I just found that interesting. Moving along to Ryan O'Reilly, 32 years old, $7.5 million cap hit last year. It's projected for him to get three times five point five million. I think that's high. I think that's high. I love Ryan O'Reilly. I do. But guys, this was not the greatest season for him. You know, it was a tough go here in St. Louis. There were some ups and downs as far as his production is concerned. Then he had trouble staying healthy down the stretch with the Leafs. And although he works extremely hard, you know, like Ryan O'Reilly's not blessed with the greatest skating. In the NHL, and at 32 years old, you know the back end of a three-year deal. What does it look like? I think that's high. I'm, I, I mean, am I crazy, Marshy? No, and I'm surprised. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised, but that being higher than Tarasenko, and you look at the point output. I mean, Tarasenko had 20 more points than he did, and he was on the ice more. Mm-hmm. And that just depends on what you're looking for in a player. Obviously, the the Maple Leafs needed a a veteran guy that to uh, to sort of bring in like mentorship and uh, you know the, a 200 foot style of game. So it really just depends on on what you need. I'm wondering though if he fits the mold of this new look Blues team, which has a lot of speed. We saw that at the end of the season. I don't I don't think he does. 
now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, he, he was a great captain for for the Blues and, of course, a Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Um, but moving forward, I, I don't know if, if he's the, the right fit. Yeah, I don't. It's not a fit for me at five and a half million. You know, for, not a, not if he's coming here. Ryan O'Reilly, look, he's a second line center right now. Probably projected to be a third line center in year two or three of that deal. You can't have five and a half million dollars on the books for you know a third line player. And it's no disrespect to Ryan O'Reilly. I, I love the guy, but That's if you a bad time for a, a down season, it is a bad time for a down season, and it's a bad time for a down season at the age of thirty two. So. We'll see where that uh, ends up, um, you know. But all the best to him. A couple other names to circle real quick here: Ivan Barbashev, twenty-seven years old, made two point two five this year, projected in the area of four years times four point two million. I feel like that's a little high for Ivan Barbashev, but Barbie had a couple pretty productive seasons, and he went on to Vegas, and he's having playoff success right now too. He's doing well. He's producing in the playoffs. He's a He's a guy that certainly is helping the team right now, so I I don't have a problem with that. So where I want to go now, though, is to look at potential players for the Blues because they don't have a lot of salary cap space available. And I'm going to take two players, and I want your guys' opinion on this. One of them is kind of a reclamation project, so Army loves those right now. And the other one, actually, they're both kind of reclamation projects, but if they hit, could be huge for the Blues. And, and so the first guy I'm going to look at here is Max Pacioretty. Old Patches. Coming off a tough season. Injured the entire year except for one game. Mm-hmm. Tore his Achilles tendon and t- tore it again. Came back too early, tore it again. There's been plenty of time to heal and work through it. And there's an entire off season that lies ahead. He was a $7 million cap hit last year, projected to be in the one year, somewhere in the $1 to $1.5 million for this guy. This is a guy that puts up numbers. Every year he's played, he's put up numbers. So I would like to see Army kick the tires on Max Petra. He's 34 years old, throw him a one-year deal at $1.2 million, $1.3 million. It's a a chance for Max Petra to reset the market for himself and to show that he still has value at his age and coming off those injuries. But the upside to this is tremendous, Anthony. Yeah. If he comes back and looks anything like the Max Pacioretty, you're way ahead of the game, and you've barely spent over a million dollars for him. These are the deals that I love, too. It's a one-year deal. It's a one-year deal. You don't have a lot of cap space, as you've you've illustrated. You need to make – you need to to – if you're going to roll the dice – You've rolled you've rolled the dice a couple of times now. One on Jacob Verana, the other one on um, Kapanen. Thank you, uh, Kasperi Kapanen. Mm-hmm. And and now in the off season, do you really want to go with a cheap free agent that doesn't have much upside, or a veteran that's that's looking to reestablish his market and it's going to be fairly inexpensive? Because, as you just mentioned, Jamie, didn't play a lot last year. I think, I think that would be a tremendous move. Yeah, I, 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 there's some risk to it, obviously, because there's some health concerns. Sure. But at the end of the day, if you have to put it on the LTIR, you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it is what it is. Uh, Marsha, what do you think? Just in terms of that or, or a player that's kind of catching my eye the more I look at this list. Go ahead. Throw whatever you want. Throw it at us. I, I want to know what your or opinion is. Or red or face. Um, and maybe the the 
the AAV could be a little bit too much, but Michael Bunting at five years for 5.25. Yeah, I'm He's not at the there. age of 27. He's right in that range of what Army was looking at. 49 points is not worth $5 million for me. It's certainly not worth five years at $5 million. And Michael Bunting was the benefactor of playing with some really talented guys, too. There you go. In Toronto. Okay. So I, I like him as a player. Nowhere near that salary, though. Or that term. And will he get it somewhere else? I don't know. Who knows? Another guy I want to circle back to here uh, as we as we peruse this, Max Domi. I talked about how much I'd like him. I'm out on Max Domi because he's going to be too expensive now. He's played way too well for the Dallas Stars. Projected to make five years at 4.75. Army's not doing that. For me, it was a reclamation project. Again, give him a one-year deal at 3 or $4 million. See if that works out for you. So for me, he's off the board for that reason. Um, two other guys quickly that I'll get to here, Anthony. Sean Monahan, 28 years old, center iceman. What do the Blues need? They need a centerman right now. You, you really don't want Pavel Buchnevich playing full-time center or Kapanen playing center. Uh, Monahan again, the guy that's coming off some injury problems here, but again, he's had all season and maybe the offseason to recover. He's a $6.3 million cap hit was his last contract. Projected at a one-year, $2 million. I'm all over that. I'm all over that. If you can get Max Pacioretty at, let's say, 1.2, and you can get Sean Monahan for a year at $2 million, for $3.2 million, you've added two established players to your lineup. There's risk, I understand. But you've added some really talented guys. Go look at the back of their hockey cards. If they're healthy and they can go... That's a big swing for your team. And the center ice position is not easy. And Sean Monaghan has had a tremendous amount of success playing center ice uh, for a long time in the NHL. So I look at those two guys. And one more to throw in at you here, the dessert at the back end of this. Mm. Corey Perry. The worm. The worm. Corey Perry. That's Dennis me, Rodman. He kind of is, actually. But y- you need some sandpaper and some veteran presence also. If you're going to do this retool with some younger guys and whatnot, you need that grizzled veteran, that Pat Maroon that you let go. Corey Perry played alongside Pat Maroon. In the playoffs, Corey Perry was public enemy number one in Toronto. They couldn't stand him. They hated him. And he was still putting pucks to the net, too. One-year deal at 850000 I bet he'd play for eight hundred. So when you look at all this, at three point two for $4 million, you've added three players that could have a significant amount of impact on your roster. I like it. And by the way, next up on the list is Noel Achari. Projection is two years, $1.5 million. So maybe another name that the Blues could try and I would bring in. him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's Andrew Marsh. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. And we have the return, finally, of the Magic 8-Ball. Jamie, you and I were begging for this a while ago. You, you're always begging for it. Now Marsh brought it back. Magic 8 Bowl. We're going to play that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. According to the Magic 8 Bowl. We did this one other time, and we, uh, we're we bringing it back. It's the Magic 8-Ball. So just like you may have had growing up, the Magic 8-Ball, you ask it a question, shake it up, comes back with an answer, right? Well, our version of it is Marsh is going to make a statement. 
He's going to shake the Magic 8-Ball. Whatever comes up, Jamie and I have to defend it one either way. Defend whatever the answer it or is. Support it, right? Support it. Remember we, we we had to do that the last time. Yeah, support it. It's a better way to say it, Jamie. Nice job. Yeah, it's all about support. Yep. All right, Marsh. Let's do this. All right. Oh, Magic 8-Ball. Do the Cardinals live and die by the long ball? Jamie, you are up. It says most likely. Yeah, they have to. Have you seen it recently? Every time they're hitting the long dong out there, they're winning games. They're putting up big old crooked numbers when they hit those home runs, Anthony. So uh, this lineup has pop. They don't hit for average. They have got pop. Paul DeYoung, the king who has returned. He's hitting the long ball. Nolan Gorman, Arenado. These are the guys that are going to make the difference for you. And so, yes, the Cardinals will be living by the long ball. Or the dongs. Yeah. As many as possible. Interesting. Anthony, what does the eight ball say for you? Yes, definitely. Well, of course. I mean, how else are you going to do it if you're the Cardinals? You've got power throughout this entire lineup. You've got power at the top with the Newt. You've got Goldschmidt, Arnado in the middle. Nolan Gorman, are you kidding me? Guys powering it out of the, the ballparks consistently. And as Jamie just mentioned, you got the King has returned and Paul DeYoung. And yeah, they're living and dying by the home runs. You know, you know who's got more home runs than anybody this year? The Rays, who sit right up top first place in Major League Baseball. It's about launch angle, and it's about dongs. Well said, Jamie. Thank you. Next question, oh, Magic April, are the Blues suffering from the moves Doug Armstrong did not make? Anthony, my reply is no. No, of course not. No, are you kidding me right now with this? By the way, the man won a Stanley Cup in 2019. Let's, let's not forget about it. So let, let, let's talk about the moves that he did make. Talking about Braden Shen. Everybody loved that deal. Ryan, o- Ryan O'Reilly. Everybody loved that deal. Those are the moves that helped win you a Stanley Cup. Bringing in Pat Maroon. So it's a little bit of a transition right now. Every team goes through it, guys. That championship window is only going to stay open for, for so long. And if that scumbag Nazem Kadri didn't take out Jordan Bennington in the series last year, who knows for the Blues? So yeah, a little bit of a transition, but no, I don't think that the, the that this Blues team is finally suffering from moves that Army didn't make. Come on. All right, Jamie, what's the eight ball say for you? Signs point to yes. Yeah, of course they are. You got number one defenseman and Alex Petrangelo, who's dominating the playoffs right now at the Vegas Golden Knights, probably going to get his team to the Stanley Cup final again. Those guys don't grow on trees, so is there regret? I'm sure there is in that front office right now. Should have made that move. David Perron, he, all he did is go on to Detroit and start building that culture, too. What a turnaround that team had. Was it a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And so David Perron, Alex Petrangelo, those are two of the biggest moves. Obviously, you know, you ended up because of those two moves. You had to make other moves, which called Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and Achari. Those are probably a couple of guys you'd like to keep, but you weren't able to because you made some mistakes earlier on. So uh, good for Doug Armstrong, though, for pivoting at the end of it and, you know, picking up a couple of uh, reclamation projects. But, yeah, it's going to sting for a while not having that number one defenseman. All right, Jamie, you're up again. Oh, Magic 8-Ball, will LeBron James retire for one season and come back to play with his son. 
Don't count on it. No, of course he's not. LeBron loves the spotlight more than he loves playing with his son. That's for sure. Whoa. Oh, come on. We're not talking about Brady. We're talking about LeBron. No, you're right, Anthony. Both guys incredible at their sports. But LeBron James, uh, you know, he's looking for a little bit of that public attention right now. Will I or will I not retire? Of course he's not going to retire. LeBron James loves the spotlight. Doesn't love maybe being on the court all that much anymore. Likes that load management a little bit too much lately. But he is almost 40 years old, so I'll give the guy a little bit of a break. But I don't think there's any chance that he retires and steps out of the spotlight to thrust himself back into the spotlight with his son. No, he's going to want to hang on to that as long as possible, especially in L.A. where the, the lights are brighter, Anthony, than anywhere else. So, yeah, no, LeBron's not retiring. By the way, do you think the lights being too bright hurt Anthony Davis since he did have that concussion? You know, if you have hey. a concussion, you're not supposed to be in bright Concussions lights. are not to be joked about, Marsh. He should have been wearing shades up there to play. We wore him in his in the post-game press mm-hmm. conference. Anyways, oh, man. <laughs> Anthony, you're up. Unbelievable. Cannot predict now. Yeah, you can't predict now because of the cryptic message that LeBron gave you last night. You don't know if he's going to come back. For the first time, we're kind of questioning things, right? I mean, what what more does he have to accomplish? Now, does he come, you know, waits, waits, and then comes back to play with his son? I don't know if that's necessarily on his mind right now. I think that uh, he's he's going to take some time. He's going to reflect this offseason. Maybe to Jamie's point, he's going to kind of uh, build up the tension. Maybe he has something called a decision at some point oh, this offseason. Oh, and he announces the decision <laughs> that he makes. Uh, but no, it's too difficult to predict right now. Oh, Magic 8-Ball, will Jordan Walker return to the Cardinals this season? Anthony? Yes, definitely. Jordan Walker? Yeah, he's a top. He's your top prospect. And I don't think we should just write this kid off because, you know, he's struggling right now in Memphis. Let's keep in mind, Jamie, that at one point, he did put together a 12-game hit streak at the start of the year. So, goes down to Memphis, figures out how to get the ball in the air a little bit more, comes back up, and helps this Cardinals team win the division. They're going to need him, too, because all they have is offense. But Jordan Walker's definitely coming back to the Cardinals. Jamie! Better not tell you now. Oh, you want to say it now? I mean, you don't know. You can't decide if this guy's coming up or not. Let the play speak for itself. You know, the young man did an incredible job to start the season. It didn't go so well after that. Then the team was no good. You want the kid to be a part of all that environment? Pressure's already high enough for a 20-year-old at the time. 21-year-old now. Anthony probably had a beer last night to celebrate. But either way, it's too it's too early to tell what's going to happen here. One, you've got a logjam of people in the outfield right now for the Cardinals. Not all of them great defensively, of course. But you do have a logjam of guys. And Jordan Walker so far hasn't shown you that he can make that jump right now. Doesn't mean he can't, but this is why we have to, oh, in the words of great people, be patient. Wow. You really want to be patient around, Thomas? I, I had no choice. Wow. Final one for you guys. Oh, Magic 8-Ball, did Yadier Molina unlock a different version of Jordan Montgomery? Jamie? Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Monty and, and talked about it himself. He'd always been afraid to pitch inside. You know, didn't wasn't comfortable doing that. And Yachty said, no, 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 buddy. You're going inside whether you like it or not. Give me that stuff right in here on the hands. That's what he wanted. And so Yachty forced Monty to do things that, you know, maybe he wasn't comfortable doing, wow. Anthony. But at the end of it all, it's all about winning. 
Right? So it doesn't matter how you feel. doesn't matter if you're comfortable or not. It's about winning and about playing good baseball. And Yadier Molina absolutely unlocked that for Jordan Montgomery. I wish he was here today with us. Holy crap. To help Monty. Things are tough right now. Anthony. As I see it, yes. What was the question again? Oh, God. That's it. We're Jamie done. threw me off with the, the whole thing. He forced him on, on ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Wildly inconsistent. Uh, he was, you know, he really didn't have any zip on his fastball. Couldn't couldn't command anything. The only pitch that really was working for him was his changeup, and he used it darn near half the time. You know, so you need more out of him. No question. You need more out of all these starters. You need innings out of all these starters. And you land on Adam today, who you know is has not given you a ton of innings to this point this year. That was Brad Thompson who joined us earlier in the show today. You can listen to that full interview. We had two segments with BT. After the show, when we podcast it, 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. BT was spot on with what he was breaking down there with Jordan Montgomery, and that was the question that we asked him right off the bat, whether or not Jordan Montgomery, how really how concerned he was. And BT said, yeah, it didn't, didn't look good. It hasn't looked good. Thus far with Jordan Walker, or excuse me, Jordan Montgomery. Jamie, my question is, why isn't he throwing to Wilson Contreras? Who? Jordan Montgomery. I don't know. Do you think I it's find, a thing? I don't know. I find I find it weird. Maybe it's just a scheduling thing where it just has worked out where they're they're looking at things and saying, okay, this is a spot for Andrew Kisner. We'll get we'll get Wilson Contreras into the DH spot. And we'll just roll with Kisner, and it just kind of lines up that way. But if you look at Jordan Montgomery's statistics, he's actually got a lower ERA throwing to Wilson Contreras than he does Andrew Kisner. Yeah, the Cardinals have also won five games in a row with Contreras as a catcher and lost three of the Kisner starts. Contreras 5-0 and since this whole thing, and Cardinals 0-3 with Andrew Kisner. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really the trend here, Anthony. I just don't really know why we're still messing with things. Let I alone know. having Trace Barrera hit the game last night. Oh boy! I, I I hate to blame it all on one player because you can't. There are opportunities missed. Certainly the base is loaded in what the the eighth inning, and you get two whiffs in a row. That co- that probably costed the game. But putting Barrera in there and his pop up time, he looked like me getting out of bed in the morning when. <laughs> My knees aren't warmed up. Or I'm, I'm, Give me a second. Yeah. I'll be there. His, I was like, my God, my pop-up time is better than that guy. And then as far as, you know, blocking the ball and the pass balls, and like, why? Like, why are we messing with that? Just put Contreras behind the dish. Then you have Kisner come off the bench. If you're, if you're going to pinch hit someone, you can, like, it. I don't, don't know. I, I feel like I just have, don't get the damn thing at all. I feel like you have enough DH options. You have enough pinch hit options. I don't understand why. And no offense to Trace Burr, but why is he on the roster? You have you have three catchers on this roster. It doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. But here's here's the numbers. I mentioned that 
that Jordan Montgomery actually has a lower ERA with Wilson Contreras. He does. 5-3-3 ERA with Kisner. 3-8-1 ERA with Contreras behind the plate. Montgomery doesn't like pitching to Contreras. Wow. I don't know. that. That's my own speculation, and that's built off of what I've put in my head is what happened with the meeting of the minds at the start of the season regarding Contreras behind the dish. I don't know if Steven Matz does either, so we'll have to, we'll have to keep an eye out on for that. So when Steven Matz comes around in his next start, let's see if Contreras is behind the dish. Well, you can put anybody back there right now. It ain't working. Not with him. Or, well, with most of them right now. Yeah, you had that one start with Jack Flaherty. Just one, though. Yeah, but this starting rotation is is a real problem, guys. Absolutely. It's a real friggin' issue right now. You can't get two starts in a row from any given pitcher. No. You're more you're more likely right now to get three bad starts in a row than you are to get two good starts in a row. To to get back to back decent outings out of a pitcher right now. It's crazy. You're wasting the offense now. I just don't get it. I don't understand how you're in this position to where I mean I I know how you're in this position, but I don't know how you let it happen with so many question marks surrounding all of these guys. Like I guess there weren't that many question marks surrounding Montgomery. In the offseason, everybody felt pretty confident, and me too. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I felt confident with Montgomery. I thought, okay, I felt confident with Miles Michaelis. I did. Mm. Don't know where I am right now on the confidence meter, but he is coming off a good, a solid start, his last one. But after that, man, I wasn't confident in Jack Flaherty. I wasn't confident in Steven Matz. And although Adam <sighs> Wainwright... Don't you is one of the greatest Cardinals of all time. I don't think anybody was confident in that. He ended the season injured and not pitching well. And then he started the season injured and not pitching well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what now, a shock. Now, I guess he's not injured anymore, but he's not pitching well. The numbers are terrible. You know what's crazy, too? Think about it this way. If you were to add, and I know this isn't possible... But if you were to add an ace to this rotation right now, how much things change significantly? I wouldn't say I wouldn't do say dramatic. Okay, so let's let's do Is this. He get, you only get him once every five starts, Anthony. Okay, so let's. I'm not saying you only need one. I'm just offering some perspective here. Yeah. The top pitcher in the league right now. Who is it? Do you want to add like Shane McClellahan from? Tampa. I would like Shohei Otani. Okay, Shohei Otani. Perfect. You add Shohei Otani to the top of this rotation. And the middle of the order. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> let's just stick with the pitching right now. <laughs> okay, all right. But Otani, let's say Otani <laughs> is your your ace. Then it's Miles Michaelis. How do you feel about Miles Michaelis as a number two in this rotation? Moving forward here. I feel okay. Okay. Montgomery is a three. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you can flip-flop yeah. those two. Either right. Or whatever. I'm, I'm fine with those three. And then the combination of Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright as a four and a five. It's not perfect. It's not a rotation that's going to win multiple playoff series, which is ultimately what you what you need. But you're, you're not too terribly off from where these guys should be slotted. Miles Michaelis, I think, is a low-end two. High-end three, low-end two. I think Jordan Montgomery is a three mm-hmm. or a four in a really good rotation. And you're okay with it. The fact that you don't have an ace, it just magnifies everything. Miles Michaelis is not an ace. Jordan no. Montgomery is not an ace. Jack Flaherty, 
at one point had ace potential. He's not an ace. He's a wild card. Yeah, he's too inconsistent. Yeah. Do you think Matthew Libertor could could be an ace? Because in 2013, Oof. I thought Michael Waka had ace type stuff. He d- he when did. He came he, up. He was supposed the b- the baton was supposed to be passed from Wayno to Waka. Yes, I agree with that. Can Matthew Libertor be an ace? I'm gonna I'm gonna say emphatically no until we see it. I think this is part of the issue that that we we as fans and we as media we, we play this game too much. Mm-hmm. Well, if Jack Flaherty could go with 2019, well, he's an ace. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Matthew Libertor, if he could, but yeah, but we haven't seen it. Well, he hasn't really. Let's been stop. given the opportunity at least this season. Marsh, what I'm saying is, let's stop projecting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jamie, you especially, you project all your crap mm-hmm. on everybody. Okay. Sorry, separate conversation. Yeah, that was I'll, I'll have that in the office with you later, Jamie. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> we're just, it's like a different kind of project. <laughs> it's a different projection. I, yeah. I thought I could just say that and Marsh, yeah. you know, you and I talked about it in the office earlier. Sure. I thought I could just add that in there into the conversation yeah. and Jamie would just kinda, you know, keep rolling with it, but he did and he caught on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Flair's not an ace. You don't have an ace. And until you have one. I think we're just going to have this conversation over and over and over again. The problem that I see lying ahead for the Cardinals is there's not more than one number one or ace or anything out there. No. Like, you're not going to go at the deadline and and pick up two guys. Nope. And all of a sudden now you've solidified your playoff rotation. This is going... This is a, this is a situation... To where fans can really get upset because you absolutely have an offensive lineup that can get the job done. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that. Feast or famine, however you want to word it, the ups and downs of the season. I'm not going to rehash that argument with you. It doesn't matter to me. The bottom line is you put up five runs last night and lost a game. Yep. Shouldn't. And this offense has the potential of doing that on a regular basis. And you're going to end up losing games. You're going to end up losing playoff games because the playoffs, you're going to be facing an ace. And then that five's going to turn into a one or a two offensively, and you're going to need to keep it lower than that for the opposition. You're not going to be able to. And you're going to look at the team and go, that was a team built to win, to do something at least in the playoffs, but they didn't have the pitching. Agreed. That's Shane Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalzer. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. If you have a question for us, send it into the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. We have our Sports Six back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your pitch count is not getting as high unless you're just mowing. You know, obviously the pitch count ends up. Yeah. Totally enough if you have a ton of strikeouts and whatnot. But if you're trying to put a guy away without put away stuff, you just end up missing. Kind I, goes, wonder, I wonder if that's what yeah, keeps they, adding they up call in the it walks. Batting practice at that point. Jamie, stop. When you don't have put away stuff and you're trying to put away, that's called batting practice. Jamie's right. <laughs> Question number three. Anthony, I think you'll like this one. Uh, real quick answer for you. From the 636, who is the one athlete you can't stand at all? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> he bugs the ever-living crap out of me. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's I'm, not relatable yeah, to me. I mean, he's, he's my personal opinion. He's on the podium for me, for sure. Um, 
He is the podium for he, me. He could be. One, yeah. two, and three. I'm trying to think of other guys that uh, are out there. Man, I'm thinking of every sport. You'd probably find one in every sport. Well, in hockey, you, you're not a big fan of Kadri. You're not a big fan of Mark Stone. Yeah, but Mark Stone, I'd take him on my team. <laughs> There's other scumbags that I've played against. That, yeah, you know. Good answer, Anthony. Good answer. Family feud. Good answer. Anthony. <laughs> We're hey, gonna listen. play, Steve. There's a there's enough there's enough annoyance to go around when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I have no. I I don't have anything better. Yeah. Question Man. three, please. Are we not gonna answer the question? We did, Aaron Rodgers. So we're all going Aaron no, Rodgers. You can, you, I mean, you can, you Marsh. Can you, yeah, you can go. I don't, with have, I don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers. You don't. No, I think I you find him think, fascinating. You don't think he's uh, punchable? Oh, he's very punchable. Okay. I don't dislike Aaron Rodgers. Um, man, I don't know. Brad Marchant's pretty, uh, pretty high on that list. Oh yeah, he's annoying. You'd put him he's in a blue tomorrow if you could. You'd put him on a what? You'd put him in a blue note tomorrow if you could. I don't know. Yeah, you would. Putting up 40 goals, 100 points a year. Boy, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to the net with anger in him. That sucks. You know know who another guy is? Is uh, Kyrie Irving. He's just always... Oh, God, yeah. He is just always in the news for just dumb stuff. That's a good one. It's like, just shut up. Yeah, he's in the news just, for irrelevant stuff. Just shut up. Just shut just your shut mouth. Just shut your face. <laughs> Man, he is good at basketball, though. Oh, Depends on the day of the week, if yeah. it feels like it or not. No, that's, yeah, there, that's another reason why. Can't stand him. Question number four. All right. Man, all these people are chiming in. Jamie Ben, very punchable face. Yeah, that's true. Uh... Interesting. All right. From the 3-1-4, I blame the pitching on Jeff Albert. He made the hitters bad and gave confidence to our pitchers. Now the hitting is now the hitting is there. Not a coincidence. Uh, is a coincidence that the Mets are struggling and Jeff Albert is in their organization. No, clearly here's the issue. He tried to ruin Paul DeYoung. The King has returned. And without the knowledge and wisdom uh, of Jeff Albert shared mm. is no longer here. Uh, and parting on guys like Paul DeYoung, Paul DeYoung is now mashing. With Jeff Albert, Paul DeYoung below Mendoza line. Without him, hitting 300 and hitting ding-dong Johnsons like every other game. Uh, you're right, Anthony. There's no, uh, Boom. no pushback here. Boom. Question five, please. Question number five. From the 314... If there was a player or team in sports right now that deserved a movie, which team or player would it be? That deserved a movie. Like See, a, I guess a movie made about him. Okay, but there's a lot of good teams, a lot of great players, but are they interesting enough? When yeah, you think of documentaries, you're thinking of documentaries that are intriguing, mm. have a little mystery to them. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the documentaries that are praising. Like, we get it. You're the GOAT. We understand. Okay. So what is a team right now that would be fascinating to unpack? Or a player that would be fascinating to unpack? So are we doing documentaries? Are we doing, like, a movie? I'm thinking... You could do it either way. I'm thinking, like, uh, 
like Miracle, for instance. It's based on real life events, but there's some, you know, some skewing there. I don't know. I don't know if there's a team right now that would be interesting enough to to do a movie like that. Maybe yeah, 2023 St. Louis Cardinals when they win the World Series. <laughs> but are they interesting? Not really. Well, well there's been a the, lot of drama this year. Some drama. The Contreras thing. I don't think. I don't think there is one. Well, text line brings up a good one here. It says uh, Jimmy Butler went from homeless to possibly be an NBA champion. He would be very interesting. Sure. Yeah. He's got a personality too. Yeah. Like he's an interesting dude. I'd watch it. I'm trying to think of coaches too. I feel like you got you have to have like feel good stories from from people. Yeah, but you always for me the feel good story has to have like a level of adversity in yes. it somewhere, either in the beginning or in the middle, and then well, that's why you just make it up. Said player or athlete, um, like Michael Block, the guy from the PGA, PGA Championship. Yeah. You can make a movie about. Yeah, that's him. interesting. Okay. All right, are we doing it? We're just going with that one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Question number six. I just don't think there's another one. By the way, have you seen the, uh, we're talking about golf and movies, the uh, greatest game ever played? I don't. Shia LaBeouf? No, I've not seen that. I haven't seen it either. I know what you're talking about. It's a great movie. Is it? You should, yeah, no, you should totally check it out. Definitely check it out. Question number six. All right, we kind of brought this up literally last segment, but are the Cardinals a better team with Wilson Contreras behind the plate? Well, the numbers would suggest that, both from an ERA standpoint. Jamie brought up the actual win-losses, so I would say yes. What about from like an offensive standpoint? Because I think we, we when we look at this, we think of the pitching and you know the ERA and whatnot, but how about the lineup construction where you don't have Andrew Kisner in there and you are able to have another bat. I wonder if that is affecting the win-loss record too. I yeah, I would I would say so, certainly. I would rather have one of the other bench options than Kisner, no offense to Kisner. He's had some moments this year. No, I think you're better with yeah, with I, I like the lineup better when Wilson Contreras is behind the plate and somebody else is DHing. I don't love that like Goldschmidt is getting another day off and you got Burleson back in left field I don't I no offense to Burleson he's made some nice catches in left but I don't understand that one there's some things from a roster like construction like lineup standpoint that I just don't get like last night it, let's just say that Contreras is catching you don't have a need really to pinch hit for Kisner. For Kisner yeah. late in that game. And, no, right. and then Trace Pereira doesn't come in. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't have three catchers on the roster. I, I think this no. I think it's it's become a waste. But they know they know the roster better than we do. So But that's the reason why why you need three, because if you end up switching, then you lose the DH. If you put Contreras back behind the dish, yeah. you end up losing the DH. And who knows? Maybe that ends up biting you in the butt later in the game if you go to extra innings. All right, it's Fast Line on 101 ESPN. BT joined us a little bit earlier on in the show, and I thought what he said to, about Matthew Libertor was kind of interesting. Caught Jamie and I off guard. We'll play what he said, and we'll react, react to it ahead of tonight's game against the Reds. It's, it's all next on 101 ESPN. We're right.
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Listen to the fast lane for the last couple of shows. You'll know that Jamie and I are all about getting Matthew Libertor in the starting rotation full time and not using him as some sort of half bullpen piece, half starter. Swingman. Get out of here. Get him into the starting rotation. Are you kidding me right now? Do you have five studs in your starting rotation? Do you? Did Jamie and I fall asleep? Wake up, not realize that the Cardinals have five starters now that are studs to keep Libertor out of this rotation? Did that happen, Jamie? No, not yet, anyway. So when uh, BT said this earlier, uh, Jamie and I, uh, well, we got furious. Well, I can tell you the game plan for today is Libby's going to be ready to pitch today uh, if they need innings. So he will be available out of the bullpen today. If they need up two innings in the middle of this game, it's going to be Libertor, potentially. If Adam Wainwright doesn't get you deep enough, uh, so he's going to have to be available for today. You're carrying the extra man in the rotation. You're a man short in the bullpen. Like You kind of need him out there with all of the innings, the, the conversation that we just had. So he will be available. The hope is uh, that he ends up getting the start in Cleveland on, on, the, uh, you know, on the first one. But I think after that, it's going to be wait and see. Like, what, is it, what does it look like? If he looks good, I, don't under, I have no idea how you could have him go out there if he gives you five or six and looks like he did last time, how you could say, we don't, we don't need you in this rotation. Well, I hate it, Jamie. I hate it. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Like, I don't get it from a standpoint of continuity for the young man. Like, it's hard enough – for a young pitcher to make the jump to the majors and be consistent and get a routine that he's comfortable with. And now you're literally forcing him out of any routine. I don't get it. Makes no sense. And I understand, you know, BT talking about how when you come up from the minors and you're a young guy, you just do what the team needs you to do. Yeah, that's from Libertor's standpoint. I get that. We're We're talking about the big picture. I understand BT's point about that. It's it, it's a similar point when BT was talking about a week ago when I had mentioned, hey, Jack Flaherty now. You know, for us, as we're evaluating Jack Flaherty, he's the month of April still counts mm-hmm. as we're evaluating. And BT, BT pivoted and said, well, not for Jack Flaherty. I understand that aspect of it. For Jack Flaherty, you want to move forward here. Matthew Libertor, yeah, whatever you need, of course. But for us, as we're watching this team, Jamie – you got Steven Matz, who has not been good. Jordan Montgomery has struggled. Miles Michaelis has solidified, has steadied now. Okay, we'll see what Wayno does tonight. Wayno hasn't been pretty with Wayno. I realize you're not going to necessarily replace him. I get that. But your starting rotation has not been good. And this kid had an excellent month of April, coming off a very good spring. His first start, albeit against a Brewers team that struggles against left-handers. But he pitched well. So to use him as a bullpen piece or manipulate it, kind of like him being in this swing role, I, I don't get it. Meanwhile, you're carrying three catchers. Why are you carrying three catchers? If you really need a, a guy that can provide that that swing swing role for you, there's nobody else in the minors that can do that? Or Steven Matz can't do that for you? I agree. Uh, 
I think they're not at that point yet with Steven Matz. I think they're still hoping and wishing that his next start will be a good one. And yeah, like Right. I think as much as I don't like it, the contract plays. And what I mean by that this time is it's not that he automatically gets the start, but the contract also doesn't mean he automatically goes to the bullpen because there's a little bit of an egg on the face at that point for the organization. And mm-hmm. Although it's probably the right thing to do, it's not necessarily the first thing you're going to do. Um, I just don't like, I don't like that a young player who finally this season has been consistent down in Memphis comes up and has a really good first start working with his preparation, the game day stuff, the physical and and, and mental warm-ups that he does and gets ready. And then you throw him into a pressure cooker out of the bullpen. Like, if he comes in for Adam Wainwright, that means things didn't go so well. Right. Yeah, good point. And just like the other night, they brought him out of the bullpen, and it wasn't it wasn't the same. Like, let the kid get into a routine. This is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I could be 100% wrong. If so, I'll wear it. But I also believe in letting this young man be set up for success. And by letting him be a creature of habit right now, which we know pitchers are. Pitchers are psychopaths in the best possible way where they get in their own head and their pitches and their the, the, the release point is slightly different and it, all these things. And then you're going to put them out in the bullpen. Now, by the way, Matthew, I want you to be ready to come out of the bullpen tonight. But if we don't use you out of the bullpen, you'll be starting against Cleveland. Well, which one is it? How do I prepare? And then when he gets, let's say he gets the nod from the bullpen, is he then actually pissed off because he didn't get the start? Now now I won't get my start against Cleveland? Yeah, that that I think plays into what BT said and just, hey, be, be ready, kid. I understand, but, but. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. Neither am I. Cardinals know better, though, Jamie. They know better. They'll they be probably fine. do. No, oh, they do. They know the roster better. But from our standpoint, it just, again, doesn't make a lot of sense. All right. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We have beat the streak, and we have the biggest question of the day coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Baseball. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time to play Beat the Streak. Robert is back for another night. He got picked up another hit last night. And uh, right now, Robert's got the, the lead here. Marsh, what do we got standings-wise? Standings look like Robert with two. Jamie has one. And Anthony, me and you, we're at zero. Ouch. So. Ah, new streak starts tonight. Okay. Robert, welcome back to the show. You have honors. Hey, thanks, guys. I built a spreadsheet and everything this time, so I'm feeling confident that I'm going to marble. I'm going, no, no, no. Uh, who is one of the only Cardinals to have history against Ashcroft where he's batting 500. I'm feeling good about it, guys. Get this hit. All right, there you go. He failed me last night. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't fail you tonight. Hey, Robert. We'll put that on Robert. Okay. Jamie, you're up. I'm going to double down. Nolan Gorman. I've got him for the Ding Dong Johnson. I'm going with him for the hit. 
All right. Uh, I'm up now. You said there, Marsh? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna fade Adam Wainwright. Person that's got a bunch of hits against Adam Wainwright. There's actually a couple. Uh, Nick Senzel, Kevin Newman, they've got four hits apiece. That McLean guy's pretty good. The McLean, is, McLean has been very good. Mm-hmm. But the person that I'm going to go with is the man that hits at the top of the Cincinnati Reds lineup. Actually, no, he got moved to third. Jonathan India. Jonathan India is my selection tonight for Beat the Street. Marsh, what do you got? Oh, Anthony, you're such a role model. You wanted India. No, he no. just wants somebody just wants from the red. other team. It's not a bad play. <laughs> Jamie, you Thank are you. not wrong. Uh-huh. I am going with Spencer Steer tonight. Oh he is my pick for Beat the Streak. All right, there you have it. Robert, good luck to you, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. 540 start time tonight as the Cardinals take on the Reds for game two. It will be Adam Wainwright versus Graham Ashcraft. Time for the biggest question of the day. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, what do you got there, Marsh? We got a question from Ron. How the Wizard is, of Comfort? No, not the Wizard of Comfort, but... Great deals. Ron does uh, have great deals with Wizard of Comfort, and that is... Swiss Air, heating and cool. So Ron, a different Ron, wants to know how Ollie is holding up with Nolan Gorman hitting against lefties. <laughs> we keep waiting, don't we? We keep waiting for Ollie to be dragged to... P- prison for federal crimes no nolan gorman all all kidding aside nolan gorman this is why we wanted to see him hit against lefties you don't bench nolan arenado depending on the matchup you don't bench paul goldschmidt thank you you don't bench wilson Contreras. well the pitchers are complaining about him um (laughs) but when it comes to nolan gorman I, i he's i wanted to and i think you did too and a lot of cardinals fans wanted to see how he would do against left handers because we think he's an everyday player well, guess what? He's turning it into an everyday player. And I love it. I love that he had his opportunity, took advantage of it. Again, last night, he's up against a lefty, rakes one down the line. He's an everyday player. Whether he's a second baseman or DH, to me, he's in the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know you were done, Anthony. You yeah. kind of stared like you were going to add something to no, it. No. I, I he does a, that a lot. I put a yeah, period on it. Boom. There you go. Well, Anthony, one thing we do agree upon is that Nolan Gorman's an everyday player. And I understand initially what the, you know, the, the, the apprehension was from Ollie Marmol is you look at the, the stats and even in the minors, he wasn't very effective against left-handed pitching. So you kind of wanted to do the baby steps into it here at the major league level. But Nolan Gorman just kicked that door and said, forget about it, man. Like, you can't put me on the bench. Not, there's no point. And since he's been in there against some lefties, he's drawn some blocks. So BT talked about, you know, having a good eye in the batter's box and, and good takes. Last night was another great one. A high fastball up in the zone, borderline strike, something he would have swung at last year and struck out. He didn't. He took the pitch, got the walk. And then later on, he absolutely ropes one down the first baseline for a double off a lefty. It's um, it's nice to see him be able to do this because I think what it does is it actually 
simplifies your lineup for you. It helps mm. you. If you're not having a roaming DH to where you're just trying to get him at bats or someone else just trying to get him at bats, then if you can selectively do it to where it's strategic now, to like you get Goldie Arrest tonight, maybe Arenado two nights from now, you're able to do that now because you've got Gorman solidified at second base. I like it. I love it. And you lower him down. Some more of <laughs> you you lower him down in the lineup too, so you sort of take that pressure off of him that you would somewhat expect if he was facing a righty. Like yeah. you put him in so the, against the, the left, you about yeah, you put yeah. him. Uh, you know what? What does he usually bat like six, six or seven? Yeah, against lefties. Um, one thing that that I noticed is that, and Jamie, you kind of mentioned in terms of just taking pitches, is that he he's not he's not swinging at pitches that aren't right in his wheelhouse when it comes to lefties mm-hmm. like he it seems like he has recognized which pitches he can hit with you know hit good contact and you know get good wood on it um like we saw that rope down the line like that like the inside pitch just turn on that boom right so that is something that we didn't see last year and, and the whole like well, he didn't hit well in the minor. Wait, you know what? He didn't really hit all that great against righties last year in the major. You know, he switched whatever he was doing. He switched the stance. He's more upright now. I think it's like a clean slate for him. So why not give him those opportunities? They did give it to him, and he and he's cashing in right now. No doubt. Love to see he's it. Cashing in, Anthony. Tonight, Cardinals, Reds, five forty. Adam Wainwright versus Graham Ashcraft. The Fast Lane, us, and the Rizzuto Show from 105.7 The Point are squaring off once again in a softball home run derby hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots. That's next Saturday night, June 3rd, at Car Shield Field in O'Fallon, Missouri, for the Fast Lane Rizzuto Show home run derby brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling and Complete Auto Body and Repair. There will be a fast-pitch MLB alumni home run derby later that night as well. Andrew Jones, Mike Matheny, Scott Spezio, Bo Hart will be competing in that this year. General admission tickets are now on sale for just $15. Get all the details on this year's O'Fallon Hoots home run derby at 101ESPN.com. We have to bring in some some different people, too. Mm-hmm. Got some people that weren't committed this year on both sides, Jamie. You and I will be there. Massive lack of commitment by uh, Scott Rizzuto. Yeah. His name is on the show. His name, the Rizzuto Show. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be a no-show. Yeah. He says, I'm not going. Yep. At all. Because I'm terrified. Talking to lose a big, to you guys. tough game. Talking's calling us losers, losers. and they're going to beat us again. Mm. You didn't beat us last year. Right. Is that why you're running scared this year, Scott? 100%. Probably. We're going to answer, answer that for him. <laughs> It's terrified. It's disgusting. Our sources say that the the guy is just so afraid of any competition against us right now that he refuses to show up. And he can tell you anything you want. He, he, he can make up some sort of commitment that he had. It doesn't matter. This has been on the calendar since last year, Jamie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He He's the one who picked the date. He picked the date. Really? He picked a date knowing that he could have an excuse not to be there. Quite frankly, I think it's disgusting. That's unbelievable. It's really kind of, it's troubling because they've got a a couple of new members down there. 
the Rizzuto mm-hmm. show, and, and those people will be showing up. Yeah. Learn is going to get out there. Mm-hmm. Rafe is going to be out there. Yeah. No Rizzuto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riz said, new team, I don't care, I'm out of here. That's what he said. And I quote. Man. I actually heard it. Yeah, I won't be there either. No, you won't. Uh, and we've talked to you about that, Marsh, and I think we're just going to move forward. We're equally as disgusted. That's yeah. Okay. What? Yep. We are. Criticisms, <laughs> compliments, what you missed next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight we got stars, Golden Knights, Game 3, pregame. Coming at you at 6.30 right here on 101 ESPN. You check out the podcast today. If you miss anything from today's show, including our conversation with Brad Thompson about Matthew Libertor and Paul DeYoung and some of the changes that BT sees and some of the changes that Paul DeYoung talked to BT about in private conversations, well, BT brought it to the air, so we appreciate that. So we talked to BT about that. How does DeYoung's emergence change things for the Cardinals lineup? How concerned are we about Jordan Montgomery? Also, Jamie gave you some NHL free agents that could make the most sense for the Blues. Had a fun gauntlet today and uh, also played the Magic 8 Ball. So that's all at the podcast. Again, 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, before we get into that, congratulations, Anthony, being that this game has started already. Paul Goldschmidt went deep. one nothing. Cardinals on top. That means you are our home run derby champion today. It feels good, guys. I got to be honest. I was really struggling. I think I hit my first home run April 3rd or so. It's mm-hmm. uh, It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I'd like to first thank uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Second time that he's home homered for me. Um, I also like to thank Ali Marmel for getting Goldie in the lineup today. Uh, pretty good matchup. And uh, last and uh, certainly not least, I'd like to thank myself for thinking of uh, Paul Goldschmidt at the home run. So thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. All right, Jamie, ready for criticisms and compliments? Oh, bring it on. Uh, we were just talking about. Uh, the Rizzuto Show, because we have the Home Run Derby coming up from the 314. Riz is pulling a Yachty. He's got other things to attend to. Yeah, oh yeah. And it ain't a championship basketball team. No, it's not. No. I don't know what it is. hope it's nothing. Yeah, it was nothing serious, serious, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's all fun and games. It's all fun it's and all, games. Uh, he's attending, you know, yeah. something important. We love you, Riz. You're from the failing, though. Yeah. From the 636. <laughs> probably should, Damn it. probably should have checked. Why? That would be out of character for us, That's Anthony. That's true. Why, why do the research now? Nah, we'll apologize later. Yeah, it's fine. What do they say? Better why to ask, ask for, for forgiveness. Yeah, you than, know that one, Anthony. Uh, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's correct. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Mark just said. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that applies to no, it applies. this. It's good. It applies. Particular... It's, it's a universal application. Oh, okay. It certainly is. Uh, from the 636, uh, th- you know what? This team absolutely did did that. Uh, that was probably their mantra. From the 636, uh, make a movie about the cheating Astros. That would be interesting. That would be. Could you? I'd like a documentary on that to where oh. a bunch of players would come forward and, and speak openly and honestly about it. I, I, I see this being a documentary that could happen in like 10 years. 
where a bunch of players have retired. There's no repercussions. Oh, you're talking about Astros players. Yeah. Oof. Players and staff and trainers, like top to bottom, an open, honest documentary on how this went down. That would be interesting if they were to open up. Yeah. I know. That's why I said 10 years from now, you get a bunch of players who are retired. Mm-hmm. No more. They won't do it, though. No repercussions. You'll see. Someone will, a couple of these guys will hit rock bottom. They'll need the money. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Maybe not. I, yeah, I don't think they because they want the attention. It'll, in their eyes, it'll tarnish their World Series championship, even though we all feel as though it's already tarnished. It's already tarnished. Could be like a crime, like a crime thriller, but like crime. it's baseball where they're like trying to. Figure out, put the clues together on how they cheated in the World Series. Like a detective? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Like I was trying those... to put a new spin on it. I like it. Is that one of those ones where you, like, you can play along with it? No. You can but... choose your next. <laughs> choose your adventure. Choose your adventure. <laughs> choose your adventure. Uh, oh, I think it was definitely this guy. <laughs> he did this. That's awesome. It's like, uh, it's in 4D. You can, like, hear the trash can. You can smell it. Right. <laughs> smells like hot dogs. Oh. And shame. <laughs> Probably not, actually. No. <laughs> From the 661, that first eight ball segment was bad. This second one was much better. Nailed it. Anthony always said, he, I brought that up himself. He said the second eight ball is always better. So, um... Yeah, Anthony, it was well I said. I, I don't think I've ever and, said that. Uh, I agree. I thought that segment went went good today. Marsh, you did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought the first one was good, too. But yeah, the second yeah, one was better. Hey. Yeah. Well, you said you the first one, you're like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of nervous and unsure. And in the second one, you're like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I'm a veteran now. Go ahead and pass it over. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Shake it up. Yeah. All that stuff. Absolutely. From the 314, Jamie, love the attitude. You step in the studio every day with the mindset to bury your opponent. This is what you live for as a radio host. (laughs) No regrets. No regrets. Regrets is spelled wrong, but... No regrets. It's not regrets, but close. Okay. No reggae. Doesn't like reggae music. No, Tim was great in the gauntlet. He actually put up five points in hockey in the gauntlet so again you'll listen to that on the podcast and uh you can go see if you can beat tim today oh, tim did not beat me sorry oh. about your luck tim ouch last one from the 314 this was when we were talking about the nba anthony sounding like he's trying out for first take <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember what i said but uh it was bad thanks jamie <laughs> What'd you say earlier? We're all about support. Yeah, and honesty. <laughs> right? Sometimes yeah. they don't go hand in hand, yeah, Anthony. That's true. That's true. Stars, Golden Knights, Game 3 pregame at 6.30. After that, uh, well, before that, it's instant replay. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.